Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight I am talking with my friend Scott Shooty. What's up, dude? <sighs> Not much, man. How's it going? <laughs> I'm actually jazzed that I flew through that intro without fucking it up. I thought, you know, uh, for you did sure, a great job. I was going to fuck it up. And you paused it. You paused it just not long enough, uh, so where the the pooches stop barking at God knows what, <laughs> absolutely God knows what. Um, yeah, so that's a great thing for your listeners. But I still had to put up with it, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got four of them now. Four dogs. Because wow. I'm a weak, weak man. I'm a weak <laughs> man, sir. I am. My wife goes at Christmas time. Lynn goes, uh, I go, what do you want for Christmas? And she sent me a picture of a Shih Tzu. <clears throat> My wife loves Shih Tzus. Um, we had a Shih Tzu fact, for many just, years. I could, so I can share the sentiment. Yes. They are cute. They love to um, sit in your lap for the most part. And, um, you know, it, 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 not too bad. But they will bark if a leaf falls in front of your Yar. <laughs> they, they'll bark at that all the way down. That's shockingly territorial so, for tiny dogs. Oh, God, right? So, so uh, Lynn, uh, what do you want for Christmas? And she sends me a picture of a Shih Tzu, and I'm like, oh, God. All right. Um, I'm fucked. So we went out to uh, this place in town called Pet Kingdom, and um, the last Shih Tzu we bought was Sandy Sandy, Excuse me. And she was um, we got her from a local pet store in town and she was like 800 bucks. Not bad. Right. Not too bad. 800 bucks. OK, great. So we we had gone to have you ever gone and bought like a dog from like a dog store, like a pet store store that sells dogs? That's where we got Emma. Was it expensive as all get out? Uh, let's see. She was a purebred Shih Tzu puppy. And mm -hmm. I think she was five hundred dollars. Oh, that's that's awesome. That that is reasonable. Like this that's was, thinking this would have been in two thousand six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Petland up in Fort Myers. We would go there once in a while, and I would allow my wife to drool over the puppies. A Shih Tzu puppy, brand new Shih Tzu puppy at Petland, thirty five hundred dollars. Oh. <laughs> Like I could buy a used convertible um, with low mileage here <laughs> in town for less than thirty five hundred dollars. Right. I'm like, fuck no, not buying a dog for thirty five hundred. So we went to Pet Kingdom and um, they had a whole bunch of dogs. Just um, this, you know, black Shih Tzu that I really liked. She was hyper as all hell. And Lynn's like, I only want a girl because the boys pee everywhere. And she's right, men, <laughs> male dogs pee everywhere. Um, did we talk about belly belts? Yes. Yes, I did learn about belly okay. belts from you. <laughs> okay, great. Fantastic. Greatest fucking thing ever. So um, uh, then there was a boy, and uh, the boy was um, – he looked he looked like a little Wookiee, just black <laughs> and brown and could barely see his face. And I'm like, oh, he's cool looking. He looks like Chewbacca. And uh, 1900 bucks for this dog, and I'm like – and we walk out, didn't buy the dog, and I went to Lynn, and I'm like, ah, that's a lot of money, honey. I, I don't know. And then I start thinking about it, thinking about it. And then um, um, like over the weekend, I thought about it on Monday. I sent her a text because I knew – I said, well, if I pay for half 
and you pay for half, we can go get him. And she was like, done. So we <laughs> ran out. We got him. And, of course, we named him Chewy. That's awesome. And um, he, he is awesome. Uh, I, I don't know. If, did you listen to um, our uh, Tales from the Art show earlier this year? Uh, the one where Chewy had his unfortunate incident in your backyard? Yeah, like Chewy <laughs> learned how to swim. Um, we live on a canal, and, and I turned my back, and then he was gone. I think Sandy pushed him in. Cause Sandy was looking over the edge of the, of the, of the seawall and she's just like looking down there. I'm like, what are you looking at? Where's Chewy? What the fuck are you looking at? Hey, Chewy, where are you? What the hell? And then I went over there. He is got a net and Lynn had made me go buy a net. Thank God. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, we'll never use this net. What are you doing? Well, one day if one of these dogs and we've had these, do- I've lived here nine years and we've been together for over six. I'm like, they're not stupid. They're not going to fall in. This dog's that stupid. This dog <laughs> fell into the canal. Um, now he's afraid of water. Um, yeah, but he's, yeah. He was introduced in a harsh way, poor guy. In a harsh way. Yeah, he's getting better. But now the new thing with Chewy that I have to share with you, it's funny. So Lynn uh, trimmed him, so now he's not as bushy, right? She likes to do that with all our Shih Tzus, so they're not... The hair is hair gets all batted. How bad your grooming bill was with oh, with that many oh, of them. But if she's grooming oh, them herself, wow! I bought her a table for fifty bucks on Amazon, That's and amazing. She grooms the dogs, and then reminds me how much money she's saving by grooming the dogs. So much money. Just getting so much Emma money. groomed was. I mean, sometimes shot. sometimes we'd make jokes about Emma looking like a little homeless Shih Tzu because it's like, eh, it's not in the budget for it right now. We're going to push it out a couple more weeks, Emma. Yep. We've got the clippers. We've got, you know, the vacuum thingy. We've got everything. So she trimmed him up. Um, now he looks, you know, kind of like a naked Chewbacca, kind of, <laughs> sort of. But, um, here's the funny thing. So he, uh, he he's, he's a great dog. So... He likes to just sit and wait for his food. Um, and for a long time, he didn't eat until we got him some uh, wet food. Dogs love wet food. Wet food is gross. It just stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets in their hair and shit, but he loves it. So we were mixing it with dry. We're trying to get him off the wet. So he just sits there. I'll have to send you a picture. So imagine like a, you know, shaved puppy, except for the head. You know, like the head still got most of the hair on it mm-hmm. and everything. And you just sit there and brown and whatever. And Lynn goes, man, he, he looks like a Pedro. (laughs) (laughs) A Pedro. (laughs) I go, what? She goes, yeah, she looks like, he kind of looks like Pedro, like a Pedro, you know, like just sitting there waiting, you know, you know, bring me my food, please. You know, just like that. I'm like, oh, he kind of does look like a Pedro. And so I'm going to get him a t-shirt, you know, both for Pedro. I'm going to put it on him. And I've started to jokingly call him Pedro, and then Ling gets all upset. No, he gave me Chewy. And so, uh, yeah. That's funny when all of a sudden you just start calling a pet by a different name. Um, My kids just started doing that with – so since my last podcast, it's been a while. Haven't really addressed that (laughs) yet. But um, so now we have two cats because uh, a friend of mine at work uh, caught a – kitten that was born under his garden shed in his backyard and tried to take it to humane society and since it was quote-unquote feral they were just going to immediately put it down and so they tried to keep it and they discovered within a couple weeks that they weren't cat people so we adopted him and at the time his name was catrick swayze 
Oh, that's awesome. Which I think was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I liked that name. But when I got home, I was outvoted by everyone in the family. And so now his name is Thor. Oh, Thor's cool. That's yeah. a great name. Yes. And, yeah. And, but just recently, the kids have started calling him Gary. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> so it's like, how do you go from Catrick Swayze to Thor to Gary? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, <laughs> I have an with children. <laughs> right? I have an employee whom I dearly love. She's been on my team ever since uh, for the last 10 years. Her name is Maggie. I don't mind mentioning her name. She got a cat. Um, you will never guess what she named her cat. So I'm just going to tell you, she named her cat Jimmy Carter. <laughs> That's excellent. Which is totally fucking awesome. And I forget that she names her cat Jimmy Carter. So on Facebook, she'd be like, yeah, me and Jimmy Carter were hanging out in the living room. And I'm like, what's the president? Do- oh, oh, the cat. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. It's like, it's isn't he out building brilliant. homes? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim, Jim, Jimmy Carter, uh, fantastic name for a cat. Um, but I can't have cats. I'm wicked allergic to cats. Like, yeah. When in my last marriage, um, we had two, and they almost they nearly killed me. Honest to God, I have um, allergic onset asthma. Some one of those guys, oh, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So I was taking medicine just to feel normal, living with cats. Oh, by the way, <laughs> That's terrible. if you're dating someone and you know it's terrible, if you and you know that you are allergic to animals, okay. Um, uh, and and you say, oh, my God, I'm so allergic to cats. I cannot fucking breathe around a cat. And their answer is, I don't want to get rid of my kitties. The un- inappropriate response is an old man shooter response, which is, that's okay, honey. We'll figure it out. No, the appropriate response is, all right, crazy cat lady, I'll see you. I'm out of here. Like, you shouldn't have to sacrifice your health for an animal. And anybody, I'm sorry, Anybody that's going to ask somebody that they love to sacrifice their health for an animal is fucking nuts, right? You should run away from that. Oh, by the way, that's their choice. It's totally okay if they want to have cats and love cats, right? So when I got back in the dating scene, I was very clear. I'm like, if you have a cat, don't even respond to me because I don't (laughs) want you to make that choice because you're going to have to make a choice. Do I want to be with Scott or do I want to have my cats? And I don't even want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the, I don't know what I want to do. Are you fucking kidding me? It's a cat, right? Um, and a lot of normal people would be like, well, I guess I got to get rid of the cats because I love you so much. Versus, I guess you're going to have to take medicine for the rest of your life. And every time you have an asthma attack, it's because you haven't been taking care of yourself because you're a big fat pig. It's <laughs> not the not the answer that I want. I'm guessing you've had this mental conversation a time or two. It wasn't. No, I mean, these are out loud <laughs> conversations that I've had. Um, but that's a different story. Yeah. But, you know, ever since I ended that relationship and moved down here to Florida, want to guess how many asthma attacks I've had? Zero. Zero. Not a one. <laughs> Smart not move then, dude. Smart one. move. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. <clears throat> Uh, this is going to relate to all this shit we're going to talk about. Breathing is a great thing. When when you are on drugs to help you breathe and then all of a sudden you get to a place and all of a sudden it's like, I can breathe. This is good. Air is good. Air is a great thing. Like, uh, you, I can't have enough. Give me some more air. Um, it, it's wonderful. That was an amazing – you know, you just wake up one day and I'm like, oh, my God, I can breathe. Oh, my God, this is glorious. It's great. Breathing is good. I suggest you try it. I highly recommend breathing, Joe. 
Oh, yeah. Now, I, I take I two different medications for asthma and then an allergy medication every day. Because it are can, you taking uh, um, ad, that's, well, it's not Advair. What is it? The the pink, the purple thing. Is it Covair or Advair? What is that? Advair. Yeah. No, um, my asthma is not bad enough to that he's got me on Advair. He said that that would be the next stage. Oh, <laughs> that that's the next step if if um if what I'm on doesn't work. Um, but mine's more. I think it's it's more related just to the fact that I'm really out of shape right now. Um. Because I had asthma before, and then when I got really, really fit from rock climbing and running and fucking hiking and all that shit, and I got my cardio really, really strong, um, it totally went away. I didn't even have to carry a rescue inhaler for for Mm -hmm. for like three or four years or so, and um, you know the I don't know, it's just fucking. But now it's like. I keep trying to get back in and get fit. And I've talked about this several podcasts in a row and it, it's not really gotten any better. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if I just have too much of a meathead mentality where I just go in too hard and immediately injure myself. But I feel like, like my baseline has dropped so low. <laughs> like my body is just so freaking weak that it, it's like, I really need to just go and just start doing only yoga or something like that. Something really low impact and just like build up a baseline of strength and then, work my way up and then maybe, you know, get my cardio better and not have asthma anymore. But for right now, definitely if I'm out like hiking or something like that, I make sure I have a rescue inhaler with me and it's yeah, fun shit. But I mean, right now with what's going on with this fucking respiratory illness going around, that's fucking scary. Yeah. But at least you have that, right? So like I still have my Advair and I still have a rescue inhaler. So I'm like, well, if it hits, I've got, I've got a couple hours that I could probably, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's really just uh what is that? It's, um, Advair is, um, it's a stimulant for your lungs, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's like getting speed for your lungs. Like it should clear up anything that's in there for a little bit. Right. And then I can go get some help. Yeah. Yeah, that Which is the does, one thing that where if I were to get this, it's like I have a lot of albuterol inhalers. <laughs> right? I mean, so that yes. would help a bit, but Oh, um, albuterol is the awesome thing. Yeah. It's an awesome thing. Oh, by the way, I was gonna I think you should well, we're gonna try to keep this on a on a um uh, at, at the end I know we'll be on an up upbeat. I know we gotta talk about this, but don't you wish that Captain Hindsight was around? <laughs> no shit, right? Do you watch South Park? You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I. Um, oh my god! I, I just. What's funny is I randomly put on South Park on the newest season and watched a, a few episodes uh, over the weekend. Uh-huh. But um, otherwise, like I watched South Park really hardcore up for the first like close to ten seasons, and then fell off and just kind of would only catch random episodes. But I really love what they do. And oh god. I, I, you know, it'd be great to go back and watch all of them, but it's like, fuck, there's like fucking 30 seasons or something like that. Yeah, so what? You got, what else you got going on? But I, my job is deemed essential. <laughs> so I don't have an abundance. My schedule is like literally the same. Right. Okay. So yeah, but let me, let's talk about Captain Hindsight for just a minute. And then um, we'll, we'll talk about work at home and, and stuff. But so on South Park, do you remember the um, oh, the Exxon, not the Exxon Valdez, but the, was it, what was the, um, oh, shoot, the oil shore rig that blew up and it was a huge deal. They made a movie out of it with Marky Mark. Was that, do you, do you, does that ring a bell? Challenger? Do you remember that? 
No, I don't that, know. That was a space shuttle. Yeah, that was a space shuttle, <clears throat> not an oil rig. You're right, asshole. So, <laughs> Deepwater um, Horizon. Was that yes. it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Where the fuck do I go from Challenger to Deepwater Horizon? <laughs> I don't know. They both blew up. <laughs> oh. Okay. So... So right after that, was that really fast. <laughs> they did a, uh, they did right. They did an episode on South Park where it was like um, they introduced this new superhero, and they only come back to him a couple times. But it's like Captain Hindsight uh, here with the extraordinary power of hindsight, <laughs> um, he could help you solve any, you know, any problem. And they're standing over by the oil, oil rig, and you know, and a Captain Hindsight comes in. And he goes, and they go, "Oh my gosh, it's Captain Hindsight." Help us, Captain Hindsight. And he goes, well, you know, you should have put a backup valve for the backup valve. <laughs> and then none of this would have happened. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you're so right. You're so right, Captain Hindsight. And you probably shouldn't have been drilling here anyway. And you shouldn't have been. So he's just telling everybody <laughs> what they what they should have done. Right. And he flies away and everybody's super happy. And I take a look at where we're at right now. And I'm like. Yeah, there's like a gajillion things we probably should have done, but nobody did them. And uh, we certainly, you could use some Captain Hindsight coming in here and telling us all the things that we should have been doing um, that sadly we we didn't do. Um, yeah, so that's Captain Hindsight. I guarantee you this. Do you remember uh, 9-11? Oh, yeah. You remember South Park uh, right after 9-11? Did you watch that episode? <laughs> Um, okay. I, like I watched a lot of South Park around that time, so like specifically, which episode are you talking about? It's the the one right after nine eleven. So nine eleven happens. I have a ladder great... to heaven. No, 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 <laughs> no. This is before that. So if you remember back during nine eleven, like the world stopped, right? So <laughs> this horrible thing happened. By the way, I. I, I got a long story on that. Maybe this episode we talk about it, maybe not. But I was on a plane going to New York on 9-11. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you could have you could have spared, you know, have an old man shooting around because it could have been me, right? So That's, that's totally long... freaky. Oh, yeah. Like, but the, here's the funny part about about that. I was on a plane to 9-11. We were, uh, we were actually flying to Chicago. Um, we didn't make it to Chicago. We, our plane was delayed. 45 minutes to an hour. I can't remember what. I was going to go meet with AIG. AIG is in Tower 4. I would have been in Tower fucking 4 had we flown uh, on time. I would have been right in the thick of everything that happened. But our plane was delayed an hour. I had four other guys with me. I was working at Best Buy at the time. We landed in Cleveland. Okay? We get... Uh, and by the way, the, the pilot's like, well... There are some air traffic problems in Cleveland. You're not going to uh, New York. You're not going to make it. We're going to land in Cleveland. I'm like, ah, shit, not going to make this meeting. Not going to make my training. I got to give whatever. Right. So we get off the plane. And as we getting off the plane, the, the pilot actually decides to tell us the truth because he didn't. He goes, well, I didn't want to tell you in the air. He's a smart <laughs> pilot. Right. He, Somebody no flew a plane into the World Trade Center. And I'm thinking, oh, small little plane. I, you know, right. That's what we get I thought the, at first, too. Right. So then we get off the plane. Joe, we get off the plane. I, I shoot you not. Uh, I'm getting off the plane. There are armed SWAT teams, M16s fully reloaded, pointing at all of us because some nut job in Cleveland. This is true. Um, was on a plane on the runway and said he had a bomb. 
right? So now everybody flying on a plane is suspect at this airport. I've Joey ever had an M16 pointed at you by a guy wearing full body armor? No. Not a pleasant thing. Would uh, re, uh, probably say it's probably not a good thing at all. And they're like, move, 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 get out of the airport. Um, when someone who's in full body armor pointing an M16 at you tells you to move and get the fuck out of the airport, you move pretty fast. Like we, <laughs> we hauled ass out of the airport, um, sat out there for like 30 minutes. I looked at my friends. I'm like, yeah, we're not getting to New York today, folks. We're just not. Um, and uh, we walked to National Rent-A-Car rented a minivan and then drove home took two days to get home oh right right totally blessed right could have been me had friends with me um for years after that we always got together on 9 11 every 9 11 had lunch just to be grateful that we had that experience and we shared that experience together so um there's still some of my closest friends it's all good stuff but south park what they did um, if you remember, everybody's glued to their television. All they did was glue, you know, they're all glued to their television <laughs> waiting for the next shoe to drop. That's right. And we just sat and watched TV. Do you remember this? We just sat and watched CNN for like days. Yeah. Just CNN. I did like, it. Yeah. Totally I, did I it, got right? out of class that morning and went over to my buddy's place and we watched CNN all the way up until I had to go to work at a, yep. at a gas station and I spent my entire shift directing traffic to the pumps. Yeah. Because people oh, were lined yeah, yeah. around the block getting fucking gasoline. It was yeah, crazy. You, you weren't charging like $5 a gallon and shit like that. We saw that, yeah. by the way. That was going on. All right. And we were all worried about the next terrorist attack. People were buying gas masks and shit, right? So South Park opens up their season in January. That episode, you got to check this out. It's fucking amazing. Because they don't pull punches. I love those guys. They just don't. And so, you know how the four kids usually stand by the bus stop? Yeah. All four of them standing by the bus stop, all with uh, gas masks on. Yes, I remember that. 30 seconds, didn't say a thing. (laughs) And my roommate and I were watching this, and we just laughed out loud nonstop for 30 minutes, right? And then Sam's dad was on, or Sam's mom was on the couch. She couldn't stop watching TV. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. Um, and then Saddam Hussein came there with Satan and shit. And, then, and I'm just, you know, uh, whenever they start the season, it's going to be epic. It, they are not going to pull punches. They are going to point fingers at everybody uh, and they're going to point out how stupid they are. They're going to make fun of Mr. Garrison, who is now the Donald Trump of the show. Um, <laughs> Sam's dad is going to be hoarding fucking toilet paper. Um, because let's face it, that a lot of people have, this is a scary thing. So I, I want to make sure that everybody understands. Um, well, first of all, I'm not an epidemiologist and I'm not a scientist. Um, not any kind of expert at all on any of this stuff other than I know that take it serious is probably a good thing. That being said, God, people are being stupid. Holy crap. Like people have lost their freaking minds and, and are just not thinking rationally. And it really points to, it just really points to some sad things that are in our, our society right now. And it, it might just be a big, big part of some major plan to wake us all up. Joe? I mean, uh, we're seeing totally predictable behavior though, is the thing is that when certain things like this happen, there are people out there that 
that react that way. And it doesn't, there's like a cascading effect to it. You know, like where if you're at the grocery store and all of a sudden you see somebody taking a normally large amount of something and you're like, wow. And then another person goes over and takes an abnormally large amount and you're just watching the shelf clear out and you're thinking to yourself, do I have any of that at home? And so then you just go and buy some because you're like, well, fuck, who knows when it's going to be back. And so then you're kind of contributing to this, but really it's, it's a reaction to these other people who are taking it way too far. It's, it's, it's fucked. The, The weird thing about human beings and tragedies is that it brings out the best and it also brings out the worst. Be, right? I mean, look at like these fucking senators that tried to unload a bunch of fucking stocks and now got in trouble for insider trading. A bunch Ouch. of miserable pieces of fucking shit. Right? Oh my gosh. By the way, they we call that in the marketing biz, we call that FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. FOMO, everybody. Now you learn something, you can turn this off. But yeah, um <laughs> I I still you know, I'm good on toilet paper. Um I need paper towels. I can't find paper towels to save my life. Just can't. Um, and so I, I've got enough for a couple of weeks, I think. I think. I don't know. Because Lynn, of course, with um, – she quit her job back in December, um, November, December. And then uh, – so now, you know, she's really got nothing to do. So she, our, our house is wicked sanitized. Like, I mean, holy crap. It's wicked <laughs> nice. clean. But we've had a run on toilet papers at the shooty house. Not toilet paper, uh, paper towels at the shooty house. So I need to get some. Um, if anybody has some extra paper towels that they'd like to sell me, that would be great. But, man, I, I, I get you there. But there's also just this whole uh, – I wrote some notes. I actually have some notes. Isn't this nifty? Um <laughs> this just uh, you're right it does bring out the worst in people i'm looking at a couple stories that i would ch- tell the first one is i'm from florida so we don't have any problem down here whatsoever i mean we certainly don't have anybody that may be at risk down here in god's waiting room right joe right <laughs> right um some of the things that are going on here are blowing my mind one is i've got a governor who doesn't want to um do what's necessary and lead because he's afraid of people being angry with him because he's going to shut down businesses. And I just think that that's foolish, right? Part of leadership is doing the right thing, no matter what other people think about it. Um, the other day, you know, what make it a lot easier for leaders to do that sort of shit. If they they had a leader given a national lockdown or what? No, if they just fucking put like real tight term limits on fucking any public office, then you're not oh, worried yeah. about a re-election. You can just go out there and make the best fucking decisions that you can, but instead you get people that want to be a career fucking politician or work their way up the ladder, and so then you get people that can't make fucking decisions in times like this. Do you, um, did you, um, or they you, try and you skew know... their decisions to fucking line their pockets, which is even worse. Sorry. Right. No, 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 that's fine. You, you, you heard the Thomas, not Thomas, the George Washington story after his second term as president. You know this story? Ah, that sounds familiar. Okay, true story. If I've told it before, forgive me, I'm old, I forget shit. All right, so uh, George Washington served two terms as our president. The the Congress wanted him to serve a third term, and he stood up when being asked if he would serve a third term as president of the United States, and he said, I refuse to be your sovereign king. 
and he walked off the pulpit. <laughs> nice. I refuse to be your sovereign king. There's a guy with um, character, right? So we've talked about character. There's a man who knew exactly what he was all about and what his convictions were and what they had just spent all this time creating. And he knew that if he continued to serve more terms, that he would be our sovereign king. There you go. A little history lesson. But uh, yeah, so our beaches were open until like uh, last Thursday. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was seeing all the coverage of like the spring breakers and stuff down there. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. So did you? Okay. So did, oh, all right. I have to back up for a minute. We, it's not their fault, Joe. Everyone's going, they're a bunch of pretentious little assholes. Um, they're spreading this thing around. How horrible. And I'm going to say it's not their fault. No, they're ki- they don't even have a fully formed frontal lobes yet. The Thank shit you very been sh- much. The decision should have made, been made for them. Absolutely. Um, the frontal lobe, the part of your brain <laughs> that allows you to reason and actually think about the consequences of your behavior is not fully formed until you are 24 years old. That is a scientific fucking fact, which is why kids that are in their 20s, early 20s, are so fucking stupid. They just do stupid shit because they are incapable of thinking about the ramifications of their actions. Oh, flights to Fort Myers are only 20 bucks. Let's go, right? (laughs) Um, This can't happen to me. Let's party. Uh, the University of Tampa released today, the University of Tampa released today five women who went traveling, I don't know where, I, either down here or in Mexico. We got to talk about Mexico. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they all came back. You want to know how many of the five had COVID-19? Well, five out of five, probably. All of them. All of them had it. And I'm thinking, well, how many other people did you give it to? We'll, we're going to find out. Like, we're going to totally find out. Um and that is sad. That's sad. Um, and, and, and the funny thing is, like, so uh, DeSantis, our governor, is up there giving a, a speech the other day. It was live on Facebook. I was telling my boss this story. He's in New Jersey, um, number two for cases now. He goes, number two like a bullet. Uh, but you know, here's DeSantis. He's like, oh, uh, we think that this is a social distancing is a, is a uh, more sustainable model and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like. The people on the side, you ever watch those live videos, people making comments? <laughs> classic. Classic. Yeah. We want to be number one with cases. Let's go, Ron. Come on, man. Let's do it. I, say, I bet this is brutal. <laughs> Let's all go swimming. Like, I mean, that was the comments that were coming out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it's gotten so bad that um, due to a lack of leadership on his part, um, cities are now declaring lockdowns. Like um, Orlando, Orange County just declared a lockdown. Uh, Miami-Dade's been on lockdown for about uh, a week now because our governor's too afraid to do it, right? Um, I, I've got four cases in my little town. I'm sure that'll go up. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But and, and he, again, just pull the trigger to do the right thing. Captain Hindsight's going to come in and talk to him and say, you know, if you had put a, national, a lockdown on the state, there would have been less deaths in the state of Florida. Thank you. And they'll fly away and they'll be like, thank you, Captain Hindsight. Thank you for that wisdom that you've given to us, which is interesting. Um, quick story. And then I want to talk Mexico. I went to Aldi. Do you have Aldi? We do. 
Joe? Yo, we do have Joe, old Joe, did I lose you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I oh, think I, our, our connection I got a little spotty for a second COVID there. got Joe. COVID <laughs> got him. Um, you heard it here live, folks. So, Aldi's great. I love Aldi. They got great meat, and it's cheap. And I'm, um, I'm back on the low-carb diet. Like, when Brian came down at Halloween and we went out, um, I fell off that wagon hardcore. They were, uh, the food usually for the RIP tour that we took at Universal Studios, usually pretty epic, and they usually got stuff that guys like me could eat. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of, they had these pumpkin-shaped cookies, Joe. Oh, no. Orange with orange frosting. I had about 70 of them. I swear to God, I, I just, just, and then since then, you know how, you know, at Christmas time, you're supposed to like push the plate away. I was like, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. So well, I, I just I saw you at C2E2 and I thought you looked great. I thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm down, but th- that's because I went to get help. I can talk about that in a minute. I'm like, oh, I'm back over 200. I, I can't have that. So uh, I went and I got some help, but thank you very much. So that's focusing in on stuff, but it means that I got to buy meat. Um, and so I'm going to quick go to Aldi when they open at 9am, right? 9am. This was yesterday. And, um, I don't know about you, but I'm, when I'm walking around outside now with people, I'm very aware of how close I am to people. Are <laughs> yeah. you that way? Oh yeah. Like, like dodging people. Like this, this is, it's now a, I don't know, keep away, dodgeball from people. Just, just stay away from me. I've got a, um, so for C2E2, I went and I got a big giant bottle of hand sanitizer because I knew I would need it for C2E2. So we're good. I've got a little bottle in my car. So every time I go somewhere, when I get in my car, I, I immediately put that shit on. Like whatever I picked up, I'm going to get rid of it right now. Nice. Motherfucker. So that's great. There's a woman in line, or I shouldn't even call it online, mob. Had to be like 50 people outside the thing. I'm standing like 30 feet away watching. Like I'm going to let you guys all kind of – Go in first when they open, and then I go to work. Joe, she had to be like 87 with a walker. Oh, no. Who the fuck? Why are you out here, lady? Who brought you? Could someone buy her food? Like, I was tempted. What what do you need? Tell me what you need. Well, I'll go get it for you. This is silly. Absolutely positively silly. And I I got in and got out and whatnot. We just, you got to think about this kind of stuff. It's just weird. But have you, um, have you seen Mexico? No, I'm, my wife's been following all this news really, really closely, and I haven't been too much. And like, honestly, like right around five o'clock this evening, I was like, "Man, maybe you should look in and read some some news articles." Oh, no. And so I just pulled up Google News. I fucking, mm-hmm. I shut that shit off after about five minutes, dude. It was fucking dark, and it made me feel awful. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> the number one tip. Pro tip, everybody. I promise I won't say pro tip a thousand times. Uh, (laughs) yeah, this isn't the pro tip episode. No, no, no. (laughs) Stay off social media. Like just check your notifications. And I've had to unfollow friends of mine, right? I had to unfollow them because there's so much fear and hate and all that stuff on social media. Like it's just the days that I stay off social media, I'm happier. The days that like Lynn wakes up, we get up at like six because we're old and, um, I'll go work out. But she turns on the news, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to watch news. Can we watch anything but the news? I want to see the weather. Can we watch the Weather Channel? But even the Weather Channel is, is bad. But I saw something the other day on Mexico, and it just, oh. Do you know what they're doing in Mexico? What are they doing? Nothing. Not a fucking thing. 
The president of Mexico, <laughs> I don't really know. That's really bad. Oh, the president. Oh, it's worse than that. The president of Mexico is saying, hey, everybody be calm. Nothing to worry about. Holding big political rallies, hugging people, shaking hands. Every, you know, it's like you go there. If, we could, if you were to go there right now, you, you couldn't tell anything was wrong. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. So they're really going with the model of let's get everybody sick right now. Let's just overwhelm the hospitals. Let's have as many people die as what's necessary. And then let's just get back to life as usual, because otherwise this taking care of each other is just way too burdensome. Well, fucking, do you know how many? Re- yeah, but it, it's fucking Mexico, Joe. It's it, think about that for just a minute. Do you know how many respirators are in the entire country of Mexico? Well, I know the closer you get to Central America, don't they have some pretty good health care in Central America? But I mean, then again, we're talking about Mexico. So this is Mexico. I'm talking about specifically huggy, touchy feely land right now. Mexico. <laughs> How many respirators they got down there? I have no clue. Ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. 2000. Oh, my. That's it. That's really fucking bad. Maybe, uh, oh maybe, What's maybe. What's going to look like in like, I oh, don't know. What, I don't what know. sort of numbers are coming out of there? Are there, do they have? Not many. I mean, it, they're where we were like a month and a half ago, like one or two, right? The The good news is maybe, and I don't know, may, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not even a scientist like Kevin Shanks. Um, it Maybe this thing does go dormant in the spring and they really didn't have anything to worry about. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be fantastic. That would be best case scenario. Wouldn't that be best case scenario? But that would then be again, the dark side of that would be then if something like this pops up again, then people aren't going to take it as seriously and maybe it'll be worse. Because they'll say, oh, look how bad we overreacted last time and, you know, money this and money that. Uh, uh, what? I'm going to save my response to that for a little later. Uh, but yeah, I... Well, keep an eye on that, folks. Um, yeah, that's that. But yeah, kids just doing dumb stuff. You heard about the coronavirus party in Kentucky, right? No, what was that? Oh, oh. well, these kids had a coronavirus party. What the fuck is a coronavirus party? You get an excuse to party, Joe. Come on, you were 20 months. <laughs> it's just an excuse. It's just a party. fucking excuse to get together and have a party. They threw a party, 50 people are now in the hospital. Well, there's like a hundred people at this party. Yeah. 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 So at any rate, um, don't be stupid, I guess is my thing. And I'm trying really hard not to, not to, not to be that way about stuff, but it's, uh, it certainly is interesting to take a look at. Now you, you are now working from home. Well, <laughs> we can get into this. Yeah. I want I, I attempted to work from home and I made it, Three hours before I said, fuck this. And I'm just serious. It's, but the way that I'm set up in my office at work, I have a desktop Mm -hmm. computer. And so then I've got two 22 inch monitors next to me because the Uh majority of what I do, I really need to be taking data from the left screen and moving it over to the right screen or vice versa. Uh And that's the way all my muscle memory is. And I have a, a really big workload. And I'm able to get through it really fast because of my muscle memory and the processes that I have put in place. So Mm -hmm. part of working from home was that all my processes were disrupted. The other part was now I'm using my home laptop 
to access stuff just through like a, a virtual portal. And it was challenging. Everything was really slow. Things weren't set up quite the same. And so I was falling behind really quickly. And so it didn't feel like a sustainable model <laughs> for, for well, me to be able to work. Couldn't at you have asked for some help? I mean, can you say, I need this. Couldn't they have brought your desktop and your 20 inch monitors to your house and you could work from there? Well, I requested that, but they said that was a no go. Why? Uh, they said it was company policy. Which oh, I, I can you... understand. It, it could no, be something. No, no. Where... So we're going to go ahead and sacrifice <laughs> health for company policy. Are you listen? Listen to yourself, Joe. Company policy is the stupidest fucking excuse ever. Yeah, we can't help you out because of company policy, right? Uh, come on. What's what's the real reason? Don't tell me fucking company policy. Is it is it an IT security issue? Because that could be company policy, but there's really something behind it, right? Is that the issue or what? See, I assumed it was an IT security issue that they have varying levels of security based on the mobility of the device and a desktop mm-hmm. computer. They don't have any expectation that it's going to leave the premises. And so they probably just have lower levels of security in it. God. <laughs> but no, I mean, so on the one hand, I get it. Um, on the what other are you going to go ahead and flood your had... office with ozone? I mean, you could do that every day. Just flood your office well, with ozone. Part of my work situation is that I'm in an office that only has like three other people in it right now. And we each have our own office. And so I'm able to just shut my door and just work. And then I use lots of hand sanitizer. Um, I, you know, in and out, like in my office is a NICU and, (laughs) and I'm being really, really smart about, you know, washing my hands really well before I eat and, you know, not, you know, not putting my fucking fingers in my mouth and shit. You know I mean? It's like, it's it's weird how much they've brought this up and made a big deal about it. Like people weren't already doing this. And yeah, the gross part they, is, is they, they probably they was weren't. We were a not. large subset of the population weren't. But when, when our first kid was born, uh, Lindsay had a slight fever. And so just as a precaution, a very expensive precaution, they put Aiden in the NICU for the first, what are they, like 72 hours or no, 48 hours he had to spend in the NICU. And so that turned me, I wasn't much of a germaphobe before that, but that turned me into a germaphobe. And so I'm already pretty on the ball with washing my hands and stuff all the time. Uh, the biggest thing I have is I have facial hair. And so it's like, if I have like a stray mustache hair in my mouth, I got to like be very careful about how I take care of that. But more it's, you know, I, I look like a fucking Wookiee, so I should probably just trim my mustache back a bit. Well, you can pull Paul Hart and just shave it the fuck off. I couldn't do that. <laughs> I know. That. I've got, I've got Talk about our friend Paul for a sec. A that was in C2E2. He was very heavily bearded and it was glorious. And he shaved yes. it all off. <laughs> he did. It'll grow back Shaved fast, it the though. fuck off. Yeah. So... I got to be honest, man. My my hands have never been this clean ever. I'm telling you right now. I, I have the cleanest hands in my life. Um, <laughs> and you know, like yesterday, I wash. You ever wash your hands so much that they dry out? Yeah, that's where I live. Yeah, so this is my hands. <laughs> that's where I've out. been living since January of 2008. <laughs> right. So I think we got pretty complacent about our health. That's for sure. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not a germaphobe. But now, yeah, I'm washing my hands a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot, and uh, People that's are good. Definitely hyper focused on it right now, and that well, is a good thing. It's a great thing, right? 
right? I, you know, the, the joke about the two guys, you know, the army guy and the Navy guy taking a pee. You heard this joke? So oh, yeah. the army guy and the Navy guy are taking a piss, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, um, they get up and they go to walk out and the Navy, um, person's just going to walk out and the army guy goes, Hey, 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 aren't you going to wash your hands in the army? They teach us how to wash our hands. And the guy, the Navy guy looks at the army guy and says, uh, no, cause, uh, in the Navy, they taught us how not to piss on our hands. And then he walks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So I was a big proponent of that. Makes sense to me. Um, no, I was just washing, washing, washing all the time. And I think that's good. Um, and yeah, I, I think people are just more aware of, of everything. It's oh, like at the gym. So my gym is closed and I'm heartbroken because that was like my oasis. I went to the gym six days a week, six fucking days a week. That's <laughs> my routine, right? That's a big change in your routine. Though. Yeah, and we, absolutely. And then, you know, Brian taught me how to do some lifting weights. So I've, I've been getting beefed up, up top, right? So that was great. Now it's gone. Oh my gosh. So now I got to have new, uh, new practices, but in some respects I'm like, yay, because my gym did not have the sanitizer by the equipment. So I was bringing in little wet wipes, right? So for C2E2, I also brought wet wipes, right? Uh, and I was wiping down the equipment before I used it and wiped it down after I used it. Otherwise, I mean, you can go to the middle of the freaking floor and grab a paper towel and then put that stuff that comes off the wall in it and then go clean it off. But nobody's, nobody's doing that Joe. Yeah. Cause that takes effort. Right. And so it was just a cesspool of disease. Um, but I didn't really, didn't really think about that too much. And now I do to the point where it's like, yeah, when we come back, those things are going to need to change. Like I would hope that the department of health would say facilities like this need to have, because best in class is you have a, a, bo- a bottle and a, and a wipe near every piece of equipment so that it's easy. It should be easy. And oh, by the way, the gyms get money from me. They should provide that. I shouldn't have to bring in what my dude wipe or whatever the fuck I need to, to clean off. <laughs> dude wipes. Uh, dude wipe, right? Uh, if you run out of sand, dude wipes will work in a pinch. Um, <laughs> dude wipes. Wipes for dudes. <laughs> wipes for dudes. For those that don't know what we're talking about, these are like baby wipes for men. And you wipe your ass with a dude wipe, and it's cool. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that that, that would change, um, and uh, that would that would be that would be good. That'd be an awesome thing. Um, you know, I'm also really glad that that uh, oh, work at home. So you're not you're not working at home. No, no, I, I ended up going into the my office and and totally kicking ass. <laughs> okay but right. yeah i'm just gonna that's my plan moving forward is just keep keep to myself in there and and you know foam in and foam out yeah i got you okay well you be safe uh a lot of people working from home i mean june po- and a lot of people freaking out about working from home like and oh by the way i've been working from home for a decade Matter of fact, I need to update my CV and make sure I put on there that uh, that I um, that I understand remote management for teams. And yeah, yeah, because 
let, let's just face it, like the world woke up and all of a sudden we have to do things differently and no one knows what the fuck they're doing. And people like myself are like, no big deal. Right. Like when you work from home, I have to be purposeful about the time and attention that I give to my team. A matter of fact, they become the most important part of my day. If anybody from my team calls me, if I'm in the middle of a meeting, I text them right away. I'm going to call you right back because guess what? I can't just walk over to their desk and say, what was up? I can't just walk over to their desk, Joe, and say, how was your weekend? Right. Yeah. So we have to be purposeful about those engagements that requires a certain level of emotional intelligence. Right. So we've been talking in the workforce about the importance of emotional intelligence for the last two years. Corporate America until now didn't seem to give a shit about it. And now all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, I need leaders that can motivate people from a distance and can understand and connect with people with empathy. And holy shit. I've got assholes running my workforce. I'm in trouble, right? So that that was interesting. But I remember June's post, post like, and then the worker too, like, I don't know what to do, right? So you get in those routines. Like for me, my routine, get up, go to the gym, do some cardio, lift some weights, take a, take a shower, go, uh, oh, you know what I did every day? I joined a massage place called Massage Lux, and they have a uh, water massage table. Ever been on one of those? I've seen them before. That's like where the, the it kind of covers you in like a big bag and then like um, jets go over and like spray that bag with water. And so it's keeping yeah. you dry, but you're getting hit with the water jets. Yeah, pretty much. Mine doesn't I've seen get... them at a mall before. Yeah. So mine just the bottom part, right? So, but after every workout, I would go, I can use the water table as many times as I want. I get a one hour massage. They're closed, by the way. I get a one hour massage uh, once a month, right? And it's X amount of dollars a month. But I use that water table every day and then so after i worked out i would go and get some um meditation time on a water table for like 10 to 15 minutes and just start my day like rocking ready to go right but that that's a routine whereas other workers like get to work find my desk go get coffee talk to joe about stupid shit we saw in south park 20 30 minutes later maybe start work right so now that's all gone. So what, what the fuck do I do? And how do I, how do I feel about how I accomplish shit during my day? Right? So, I mean, you only had three hours of it and then you gave up. That's fine. But I know this is a common problem. Like, well, how do I measure if I've been productive today or not? My advice to people and what I told June was that you have to be self-disciplined about what you expect to get done. I have a to-do Actually, a journal. It's a small little journal that I put a to-do list on. And every day I add stuff that I need to get done. I even add stuff that I know I've accomplished and I check them off. Because checking off a box makes me feel good. This works for me, right? And what I find is that do I get everything on my to-do list done? No. Do I have an understanding of you know, what's important and how I can feel productive? Yes. right. And it keeps me on track with stuff. And then you learn really quick, right, how long it's going to take me to do stuff. And I'll leverage that to my benefit, right? So one of the greatest things about working from home is that I have the opportunity to work any way I want to. And one of the things that I learned about this last year, and I'm going to get into that in just a few, is that I start my day when I'm ready to start my fucking day, right? 
I have that choice. I work from home. The, on the flip side, my day is going to end when I, well, for the most part, when I say it's going to end. And some days that's later than other days, right? So today I went to like 5, 30, 6 o'clock. And then last Friday, I had so many opportunities, good opportunities. on. I probably worked till 7, 730 on a, on a fucking Friday. Again, where am I going to go Friday night? Everything's closed, right? So you might as well yeah. do that. But so work is always there. And one of the things that I've been, you know, so there's that fine balance, right? So if I want to take a walk at three o'clock and I got an hour to do so, bring my phone with me, take a walk. Somebody's got to get a hold of me. They know the best way to get a hold of me is texting. Why? Because I fucking told them, if you need something from me, you text me first, right? So that my team understands that. But I had the freedom to do that. If I if I got to go to the dentist at like 10 o'clock, I put an appointment in my calendar from 10 to 11. I go to the dentist. I get my shit done. I come back. Work's ready for me to go, right? And I've been I've got a um, I've got an employee out in Seattle, right? 90% of our workforce is on Eastern Central Time. She's in fucking Seattle. Oh, by the way, was the epicenter for all of this, right? Yeah. Um, Ground Zero, Seattle. So, and she's got a kid, Maggie, right? And uh, she is getting meeting requests that start at 6.37 in the morning from idiots that forget, and it's not their fault, but they forget that she's way out there on Pacific time. And she's one of a handful of people on Pacific time. And I've been coaching her and coaching her a lot. Like, she's like, oh, I got to get up at six and I got to get on, on a call for a meeting. Well, why? Why? Why do you yeah, have to be ask on that? Them meeting? to reschedule, right? Well, no, or just not show up. Say, hey, can you? And if it's really freaking important, why don't you let me? I'll cover for you. Not a problem. Oh, so and so wants something done, so they're hounding me with phone calls at seven a.m. in the morning. And why are you answering that? You've got this thing called Do Not Disturb on your phone. Why don't you? Why don't you turn that on so you don't get phone calls till eight o'clock? Well, you you can tell your phone when you want phone calls, right? That's true. And, and oh, by the way, you here's the best fucking part. You ready? You work for me, and I believe in this shit. So guess what? When somebody gets pissed off because you didn't answer your phone at 8 o'clock in the morning because you were getting your kid ready for school, and they've already done that three hours before you, and they're upset about it, you can say, I work for Scott Shooty. Give him a call. Exactly. And when that phone call comes in, it will not be good for them. Because I will, and I have, I, I will raise the right act. Why are you calling her at 8 o'clock in the morning? Why are you scheduling meetings at 6 o'clock in the morning? Why, why do we have to get shit done in an hour? One of, the, one of the things that I've been telling my folks as well, one of the things I've also learned is that, man, how, how quickly do you respond to email, Joe? I was just going to bring that up before you did. I was going to say one of the things that, that I've read recently in more than one place is that you do not need to immediately answer an email. It's like, do not get yourself trapped into this mode of thinking that, Oh my God, there's an email. I need to immediately jump on it. Mm -hmm. It's a path yeah, to no. anxiety. Oh, sure. oh, oh, yep. Yeah. We're going to talk about anxiety. Um, I think all of us have a little bit of it going on right now. Just a little bit of it. So, uh, <laughs> one, one of the things that it, you are so right. Um, have you ever heard of it, of attention management, Joe? I don't know if I've heard that concept. Okay, great. You've heard of time management, right? Oh, yeah. Yo, fuck time management. It doesn't work. Not anymore. 
we live in a society where I, where we need to start practicing attention management. Um, what do I mean by that? So how often have you come into work, Joe, and you're super excited about something that you're going to get done. It's in your head. You may even write it down on a fucking to-do list. I don't know. And on the way to your office, somebody grabs you and says, Hey, Joe, I need this right away. And you start thinking about, okay, I got to get to that. So you start working on whatever somebody else asked you to do. And in the middle of that, you get another email or phone call that somebody else needs something. And then by the end of the day, if you go back and think about it, this would probably never happen to you, but you think about it. Oh shit. That thing I was excited about the, the thing that, that I wanted to get done today, I didn't even touch it because everybody else stole my time. Has that ever happened to you? Oh yeah. Constantly. All the time. Right. Attention management. Attention management is all about managing how you respond to stimulus in your life, the managing your attention. Because you know what? I want to work the way I want to work. But I have things in my life, my email, my phone, and my social media, and, and Joe Stark Skyping me that steal my attention from the things that I need to do and steal my attention from how I want to work. And if you want to be successful today, it isn't about putting something on a calendar, although that helps, right? Putting shit on a calendar helps. But it's really about managing those things that steal your attention. Now, that totally example, makes sense, though. Because, yeah. like, if you're in the middle of working on something and it is demanding a lot of your attention, and then all of a sudden, you know, say your desk phone starts ringing or, or you get a several emails in and there's something else that's trying to grab that attention away, and if you do divert from that task at hand, you can actually put yourself further behind because then by the time you get back to that complicated task, you have to spend a moment going, where the hell was I? Now I just introduced possible errors into this thing that I'm working on because I took my attention away from it when I shouldn't have. Yeah, that's a solid concept, dude. Solid concept. So what are some things that you're doing to help you manage your attention, Joe? Ah... I know with, with me, with, with me, the majority of my stuff comes in via email. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to manage that just by like systems of check marks and flags and stuff like that. And I try to stick to just one task at a time, especially when it's, um, um, you know, a complicated one like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the desk phone's always the biggest monkey wrench to me because then it's like, oh, dude, you skip in the line. <laughs> it's like right I, I have my work prioritized and it's like i'm working on something complicated and it's like yeah so the the desk phone's usually one of my biggest nemesis if, if my desk yeah. phone just totally went away i'd be like huh, oh well <laughs> all right <laughs> let's talk about email for just a minute by the way just to double check that we're recording because and i'll tell you why i'm asking that are we recording joe oh yeah Oh, okay, great. I'm just double checking. <laughs> uh, the reason that I'm asking that is I, well, okay, I'll tell you why I, I'm asking that. Anybody that knows me, my brain goes like creative people, our brain just goes, we're like fireworks, right? So, um, I, you know, I got a story I need to tell later and it's a continuation of the last time we got together. And so I went to your website for Starcast. I even went to iTunes and I wanted to remind myself where I had left off and what I had talked about and how I referred to, referred to things. And, um, Joe, um, the, uh, your show that had the last time I was on, um, you must've really loved the, um, talk that I had about Dan Hepner because 
we get through that talk about Dan Hefner in Chicago and him going crazy. Mm-hmm. And it and it loops for like two hours of that. It just loops back and forth all the all the time. So I couldn't remember. So I'm gonna give you shit. I know you can't fix it. Um, I also discovered that your most popular <laughs> guest is Rebecca because they're the only shows that have I like this show on it. Um, I think I get negative responses. So at any rate, we love you, Rebecca. She's got her own <laughs> podcast network. You know Are, that? Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the the like the little beta website that, that's up for Startcast, where it's basically but just on has... iTunes, the same thing. Downloaded it and was like, oh, we got the. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm trying to fast forward. And, you know, I even put it into my um, my Adobe Premiere. Right, uh-huh. I put in my Adobe Premiere, and like the sound waves going over and over and over again. I'm like, "You asshole, Joe! Thanks a lot." <laughs> <laughs> All right, what were we talking about again? Oh yeah, we were talking about work at home. <clears throat> That's right. All right, email attention management. attention management. All right, get this. So, email. You get a notification every time you get an email, right, Joe? Yes. All right. It this draws my scariest? attention down to the bottom right-hand like, corner of the screen every time. You can turn that off. The scariest fucking thing I ever did this year? The I scariest turned. proposition to me was turning that off. <laughs> People, go to your fucking Outlook right now. On your phones, for sure, turn it off. Like, your phone tells you how to live your life. I've turned off I like notifications on messages. I have that on notifications on very little do i have a especially on my work email on my phone off like i don't my phone telling me and reminding me that somebody wants to get me and it was the scariest thing i turned it off right and the first few days man i kept checking my outlook like nobody's business like you know i I felt like um you know somebody at a tennis match joe like back forth back forth back forth back forth you know somebody's gonna get me somebody's gonna get me and what i've learned is you turn that off it's fucking liberating guess what that email is gonna be there when i'm ready to handle it so i can take care of the shit that's important for me to get done to move the business forward and be the leader that i need to be and then i can go get to that email and get to it when it suits me well do you think you should be monitoring notifications as they come in to make sure it's not something of like high importance like a timely matter thing Joe, I'm going to be honest with you. We're not saving babies at my uh, company. If we were save, if you're saving babies out there, fuck everything I'm telling you. You keep those notifications on. You got to be ready to save those fucking babies. We are not saving babies. There is nothing, not nothing. When we're not recording later, I'll tell I, you more details of my job. Okay, great. There is nothing that I am touching, Joe. That has to be done I just love in the next answer. hour. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, if if it is a case where Shooty needs to come in and save the fucking day, I've got a phone. That is true. I emailed him 20 minutes ago. He didn't get back. I could call him. Okay, okay, this must be important, especially if it's my someone from my team. What's going on, right? Turn off your notifications. Get to those emails when you need to. I start, like I say, I I do the things that I need to do for me, for my good mental health, and I start my day when I want to. Turn that off. Turn your notifications for your email off on your phone. How many emails do you think you get in an average day? Oh, it used to be I'd get about 50 to 100 on an average day. Now I'm getting less. We'll talk about why why I'm, well, now everybody's so, like, how the fuck do I work from home? I don't know what I'm doing. And 
how are we going to meet the needs of the business? I don't know what I'm doing. So a lot of things have quieted down, which is good and bad. Um, we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, attention management. Start your day when you want to start it, when you're darn good and ready to start it, because you're going to be more productive and you're going to do better work. I yeah. got my team calling me all the time. Uh, I need to take a time. I need to take about an hour off to to go and do something. Is that okay? It is totally okay. Just put in a put a uh, just put it in your outlook that you're gone. Put it in your calendar. Mark it off that you're gone. I I don't care. Uh, you ever heard of uh, RO? You know what RO stands for? Uh-uh. Results oriented work environment. RO. And basically what this means is, I mean, the old, the old adage for productivity is, um, Joe, are you managed by when you show up and when you leave button seat mentality? Um, my, just the nature of my job requires that Mm -hmm. because like I get like well over a hundred emails a day. Well, sure. Right. You know, plus phone calls and stuff, but yeah. Um, the generally like for me, like there's a component of like, if I have a week of vacation coming up, I'm excited that I'm going to be gone, you know, for those five days plus the weekends. So nine days in a row, but there's mm-hmm. a part of me that's terrified about the coming back to 500 plus unread emails. Uh, you can get it done. If you follow oh, attention yeah, management, it, but, you know, it's, you it's can still, get it's it a done. chore. So here's the thing. Um, results are in a work environment. Basically the philosophy is this. I, Joe, especially in a remote work environment, right? If you're working from home, this is the best part about working from home. I don't care how you get the work done. I really don't. I do not well, care. And that's what it should be. How you that... get your work done. <laughs> I care that it's done on time exactly. and that it exceeds the expectations of the people that we serve. Period. You missed, oh, I am a stickler. You miss a deadline. You better darn well have a good reason for it. And we better have communicated it out way in advance to the people that we serve that we're not going to hit something on time. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the right way to look at it too. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, from a management leadership perspective, Oh, it's so much easier. Right. Cause now I'm just really managing results and I can focus on behaviors. I can focus on process. I can focus on growth and development so they get better and get more work done versus, Hey, you're 15 minutes late. I used to work for a guy, and this is a true story. So when my I was working for Honeywell, and uh, I was a corporate trainer, and I had to go to an office an hour away. I not a problem, right? Um, wife and I split up. Uh, you are lucky. I met your beautiful wife for the first time. You guys are like Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus. Not that she looks like Mrs. Santa Claus, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Just fucking happiest people on the face of the planet. But right? I'm definitely a fat guy with a beard. That's what you're saying. You, you, you're, you're, you're hefty. You're lovable, right? I'm so husky. we love you for it. Okay, so here's the deal. Ready? Um, when I was not happy, miserable, we split up. Mutually agreed to split up. It was a good thing, right? No argument back and forth. Still fucks you up. Anybody that's going through divorce fucks you up, man. So I started coming in late to work. Why? Because I'm fucked up. I'm going through a divorce. I told my boss the day that my um, wife asked for a divorce. I'm hey, we're going for a divorce, through a divorce right now. Oh, that's not good. Okay, great. I show up to work. He calls me in his office. Hey, I'm in the office guy. Okay. I sit down. I'm like, what do you want to talk to me about? 
Yeah. Um, you've been coming in at eight 45 and you're supposed to be here at eight 30. I need you in here by eight 30. Okay. Is that all you want to tell me? Yep. Not a problem. You'll see me here tomorrow at eight 30. No problem. I left. And I walked out that door and I'm like, you fucking asshole. Hey, Scott, everything okay? I know you're going through a divorce. Um, it's really, really hard. You want to talk to me about it? I'm ready to do I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you. What's going on? Well, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Hey, listen, I know that you're having a hard time and everything, and I just want to make sure that you don't damage your brand while you're going through all this stuff, and I'm here to help you out, right? Um, can we try to try to get here a little bit earlier? I, I, I know maybe you might be going through some shit, but you know, I, I just want to make sure that people see you for being the kind of employee that I need you to be seen as. Is that okay? Yeah, not a problem. That's what I needed, right? Who doesn't want a conversation like that? Like, I'm yeah. happy to be there at 8.30 after a conversation like that versus the button seat mentality, right? So I can't, I can't possibly imagine how I can manage you any other way. So I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, manage when you're in your office, um, which for me was silly. Dude, some um, people in management positions have no fucking business being there. Well, we talked about that. Like, the Peter principle, right? Absolutely. Yes. Clearly. Um, did you see that one thing going floating around the internet where it was like a picture of an email from an HR department chastising an employee that they had a car that was like a little rusty and, and they expected him to have a nicer car because they knew how much they were paying him. And if he wasn't driving a nice car, then maybe that means that he's having financial problems, which maybe means that he doesn't make good decisions that could be leaving the business open to liability. And they just expect him to remedy this and get a nicer car. No, I can't say that I've, I've Dude, read that, I'll but fucking I, I would find quit. it and send it to you. I know, I right? Quit. Can you fucking believe the gall of somebody to fucking say that shit? I, I have, I'll find I know it. I'll post of, it on the feed. Yeah, I have, I have a co-worker who found herself in a, um, a very right-winged um, conservative organization, and they are saying some wicked, stupid stuff. Like, um, well, first of all, they made their trainers fly over the last few weeks. What? Like, yeah, yeah. We don't have the budget for working homes, so are they have to fly are they everywhere. Essential trainers? Are they training I, people no. how to build respirators and make no. N95 no. masks? No, no, they're not. Are they training them how to distill hand sanitizer? No, nah. no, they're getting on a plane, putting their lives in danger to make somebody a buck. Something like that. Their job's um, essential for economic security. Whatever. Um, and then <laughs> they also the told this person who is a female. And they said, oh, we fully understand that you're probably going to want to, you know, quit and stay home with your baby when you have a baby someday. Whoa. I'm like, what? Okay. Well, maybe. I mean, if that's my her choice, fantastic. Don't, don't insinuate that she's going to make that choice because she has a kid someday. That's just ridiculous. That, that's just uh, insane. Oh, by the way, you hear that Ford and Chevy are going to make um, respirators now, right? No shit. Hey, yeah. on them. Yeah. Well, um, honestly, though, um, if I get hit and I need hospitalization, I do not want that Ford respirator <laughs> right now. <laughs> do not want the Ford respirator. <laughs> That's um, <funny. laughs> yeah. Hey, so uh, I, I want to thank you for um, taking the time to talk with me. And it's it's funny because, you know, 
I reached out to you and I said, you know, I got this amazing story that I want to I want to share with everybody. It's kind of continuation of where we left off. And you're like, great. But Joe, even more wicked cool things have happened. So, I mean, so it's great that we delayed because now I have more to talk about, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, and then we could give Brian the middle finger who said you were lying and said that there was no way you were going to do this show again. <laughs> so this is fantastic. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian. Uh, pop culture leftovers. Brian said, uh, "Yeah, he accused me Joe of turning PCL into a den of lies. It's a den of lies. <laughs> we love you. But you're a liar. Um, and that's why I went back. Well, I got to go check on the story because it's um, it's really awesome. And you know, the other thing too is I have to apologize to Amanda Elbers, who um, has heard me told this tell this story now." Uh, Two other times, so you're just going to have to bear with me. This will be the long extended version of that story, um, but we love you too, Amanda. Amanda's so great. She's awesome. She's just fucking awesome. It was it was great. Um, I gave her a big, long hug uh, when I saw her, so hopefully you didn't get sick, Amanda, uh, when I got to see you at C2E2. You are, you are an amazing person. Um, do you remember what we were we, – we talked about ownership, but do you remember what I was going through last time we talked? Um, when he did Reader's Digest for everybody, uh, like 2019 was a real shit year for old man shooting. I, I, it, 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 it got worse, but I, I want to preface it by kind of laying a foundation. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember you were saying that, you know, you were going through the stuff cause your mom had passed away. Yeah. My mom passed away and I had an employee from hell. Yes. The employee from hell. Yes. Okay. Yes. I forgot what we called her. We will call her Chris because I can't double check what I called her because you're, Audio's all fucked up. So, um, did I mention that we let Chris go? Okay, I think you did. Okay, great. So that, we're going to level set on that. I had an employee from hell. She made my life hell. We let Chris go. In order to let Chris go, so I'm, um, yeah. So 2019, not a good time. And here's the funny thing. So we'll preface it by by saying this. Um, so my mom passed away, my grandma passed away, and we had problems at work, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I kept telling myself, man. When is this going to get any better? It can't get any worse. And it, Joe, it got worse, right? <laughs> yeah, it did. Every time. They can't get any. Like, my old boss pulled me aside. I got a new boss. Hey, you okay? I don't know. It's just like it's never going to end. Oh, it, you know, it'll get better. I don't know. And it got worse. And it just continued to get worse. And one of the things that we had, what I had to do when we gave, we gave Chris a big fat pay, a check and we eliminated her position instead of firing her. We gave her a big bag of money and she walked away. That left an open position. Well, who's going to do the work? Me, I guess I get to do her work. So um, let me tell you something. Um, when you are hired to lead people and move an organization forward and somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, we need you to do this work that is now two levels below your pay grade because somebody's got to do it um, and lead and try to move the organization forward. That You've already got a full-time job, and now it's like, hey, here's the second full-time job. Right. Um, Not good for one's ego at all, right? Not, not a happy thing. Um, but, you know... Being the kind of guy I am, I'm like, okay. And I was promised that they were going to go and find a, not necessarily find a replacement for her position, so to speak, but a lot of the work that she was doing, they were going to, you know, rightfully give it to somebody that was really good at design because that was what she sucked at. And we're going to get somebody at that and it's going to be great. When's that going to come? Soon. We're going to, we're going to get an opening real soon. Okay, cool. Well, that was a lie. Okay. So, um, here I am doing all, all of her work. 
and uh, it became it became unmanageable. Like I would just if you have so much on your plate that work is just falling off your plate, you have an issue. So that was what was happening to me daily. Like I was in a meeting and they showed up and they're like, hey, Scott, now you're going to tell us what we're going to do for this event we're having. And I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about what we're going to do for the event we're having. And, and Joe, I'm not an idiot. I take great notes. I'm looking through all my notes like, shh, 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 shh. I don't see any notes on this. Is this what this meeting was about? Yeah. And again, one of the things that Chris was doing, I'm like, I'm, I'm terribly sorry if there was an expectation for me that I was supposed to be ready for this meeting to talk about creative stuff for this event. By the way, bullshit event. Like um, 20, 30 managers who suck at selling our program from a really small client that we're going to have a meeting for, and I need to come up with creative ways of making that conversation fun. That is not a fun conversation. That is a um, what the hell is wrong with you conversation, and it's not a learning event. Um, that's what I do, learning and development. And it, it, So I'm like, I'm really sorry. Um, they were brutal to me, Joe. I mean, people that I knew were just brutal to me. Like, oh my God, like look through your notes. I'm like, I'm looking through my notes, guys. I, I spaced it. Give me a couple of days. I'll fix it. One of the guys that was on that call called me like an hour later. He goes, I don't remember them asking for that either. I'm like, dude, you could have totally bailed me out. What the oh, hell? Shit. What, what, just be quiet on the Skype call. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you do. Like, oh, okay. Right. So I'm like, okay. So, and, you know, I go to my boss and I humbly just tell him. You know, I want to be supportive of your decision. I really do. I'm buried. This is unmanageable. This isn't working. My career is going backwards. I, uh, I, I've got to get back to what you hired me to do. I got to get back to feeling better about what I'm doing. I need help. Not a problem. We'll ask for help. We'll try to get it for you, but I probably won't be able to get it for you till the end of the year. End of well, the year. Right. Because that's when we do AOP. So you know, what are we gonna what are we gonna spend next year? So we can go ahead and put headcount on for the following year, but we're just gonna have to figure our way through this. I'm like, well, who can help me? He goes, well, I'll try to figure that out. Oh, by the way, I love I, I have a really great relationship with my boss now, but back then it wasn't so great because he kind of got. I don't know what you do, um, Joe, but imagine that all of a sudden you had a group of accountants come in and work for you. Like, Joe, you're going to manage these accountants. Would you know what to do? No. Fuck, that's exactly what happened to, to my boss. Like, he's a phenomenal art director. Like, he understands design and look and feel and brand more than anybody else I've ever met. He's fantastic. Does he understand a lick of learning and development? Nope. Does he understand anything that, that, that I know and am passionate about? Nope, but here he is with my little team and no idea what to do with it, and he's got problems of his own. So I, I get it, right? Doing the best you can, give him what you got, right? Here's the shit sandwich. We're going to go from there. Okay, great. So, um, And it just kept like that. I, I remember I was in a meeting, and I had to give an update for another small client, and I go, okay, we're, we're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And my friend Amy was like, yeah, you already mentioned that like yesterday, so we already did that, so we're good. I'm like, oh, cool, uh, ha, 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 I guess I could cross it off my list then, right? So she, Amy, God bless her, she calls me up, she goes, you okay? I'm like, no, just getting steamrolled, right? Okay, well, you know, because I'm just, I'm concerned about you. Fantastic, that's that's great. So we're working on stuff. 
trying to make it through summers like that, I'm pulling in like just massive hours, like 70, 80 hours a week, trying to meet the needs of the business without the resources that are necessary to meet the needs of the business. One of the things that's really important that I want to get across is, um, are you familiar with engagement, Joe? Mm, uh, under what pretense? Well, what is engagement? What is engagement? When you think about engagement, what do you think of? Um, I don't know, like things going together. Okay. As I think about engagement, it really is people coming in and wanting to do good work because they feel good about the work they do. And in um, organizations that okay, have that have high rates of engagement, right, have higher productivity, they have less turnover, and they get more work done. Fantastic. Seems simple. But a lot of people just can't do it. Um, I had the opportunity to work with Gallup. I'm sure you've heard of Gallup. Gallup does all those polls and shit. But they also do mm-hmm. a lot of stuff on um, you know, productivity and studying organizations that – do really good work is a guy named Marcus Buckingham that I've worked with. He does the strength based um, leadership, which is all about leveraging strengths. You know, if I'm good at this, I should do more of what I'm good at and less of what I suck at kind of makes sense. But if your kid gets a D in high school physics, you're going to get all pissed off about that D and make them work really hard at getting something, getting good at something that are you marginal at something that, that she or he sucks at, which is dumb. Like, don't do that. Like, Celebrate the successes and meander, not meander, but mar- uh, find a way to over, overcome those things that you're weak at, right? That's yeah, a real really talent. lean into your strengths. Correct. Anyway, Gallup's got a thing called the Gallup 12, right? And what they did is there are 12, they studied a 100 of the top organizations across the world that had, had, the, had the highest productivity, had the lowest turnover, and had the highest engagement. And they actually found that there are questions that you ask that will lead to um, higher engagement levels, right? There are 12 of them. And it's shaped like a pyramid, Joe. So at the bottom of the pyramid, you've got a couple baseline questions. Like if you answer no to these questions, you've got like nothing. It's like a foundation of a house. If you don't have a good foundation, your house is going to crumble, right? Mm -hmm. So at the baseline of good engagement, there are three questions that you have to to have a yes from your employees from number one, right? Number one is, um, do I know what is expected of me at work? Cause if I don't know what the fuck people want me to do, I'm going to stop caring about what I'm being asked to do. Yeah. And you're, then you'll be a completely ineffectual employee. Correct. AKA a waste of space. Fantastic. So here I am trying to do three people's jobs. Um, we have, you know, chaos from a reporting standpoint, like who does what, who's reporting to what. Uh, I mean, you know, I got to give work off to other people that do the work and where's my responsibility. How do you think I answer that question, Joe? Well, I guess you're kind of, well, right now you're in a place where it's like, how do you answer that question? The answer is no. I, the answer is no. I, I do not know what is expected of me at work. <laughs> exactly. I'm just trying to get the fuck by. <laughs> All right, that's very good. You 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 win. Number two, right? Second most important. So if I know what it's expected of me at work, number two, I I uh, have the resources necessary to do my job. Shit, if you don't have the right amount of people to meet the needs of the business, you're never going to meet the needs of the business. You're going to give up. If you don't have 
uh, a laptop with security and two 20 inch monitors to do your work at home. <laughs> you can't fucking work at home, Joe. But if they're asking you to do it, well, let's say they made you stay at home and made you do that clunky process. They still should have found a way around it. That's my humble opinion. But at any rate, if they made you do it, how would you feel about your job? If they made me do it. That's where I'd start making a big stink about it. it right. In, in this case, it was purely voluntary. <laughs> so it was, okay, I'm going to see if this works. And it didn't, so I didn't make a big deal about it. But what you're saying is valid. Fantastic. So going back to old man shooty, right? Do I have the resources necessary to do my job, Joe? No. No, thank you very much. That's two for Joe. Ready for number three. Number three, I'll even share with you number four. Number three, really important question. I get to do what I do best every day. Joe, do you get to do what you do best every day? Hmm. In a way. <laughs> yes or no? It's a... Yes, with room to grow. Okay, great. I mean, overall, I judge that as, am I happy doing what I'm doing, right? I mean, you know what you do best, I think, right? Like, I mean, um, the, you know what's going around the workforce today is this, uh, the question is, um, what's your superpower? And I'm not meaning laser beam eyes or I can fly or my shit doesn't stink. Whatever whatever superpower you have, no, when people ask you that in interview questions, they're really asking, what extra thing do you bring? What extra value do you bring to the organization? What's your superpower? Joe, what's your superpower? Oh, a healthy balance of OCD type tendencies and overwhelming fear that I'm going to fuck something up. And so I pay extreme attention to detail, but I'm also one of those people that takes a lot of pride in a job well done. Super. Um, so if I were to delineate it, next time someone asks you this question, then your answer is going to be, I am hyper organized and I love it. <laughs> My organizational yeah. skills are so good that it brings value to the organization. People learn things from looking at my organizational skills and I love it. I love keeping things organized. How's that? Yes. And it, it, that's true. But here's the thing that's really fucking weird about me is that I can really only exercise that. That's really only a super hit, um, a superpower for me when I'm getting paid for it because it's like, I'm not hyper organized really at home <laughs> at all, but like at work, very hyper-organized. Oh, I, I, I will tell you uh, my superpower. I know it. Like I, And you, by the way, you have to know it. So maybe you want to think about that. And people think about this because if you're going on an interview, people are going to ask you this question. It's a, it's a hot question, right? So my superpowers, I, I create high-performance teams. Boom. What does that mean? Well, it means that I create teams that are self-sustaining. So what that means is everybody understands their role. Everybody understands that they are free to try new things and that they are free to make mistakes without uh, punishment so long as um, there's learning and growth and we don't make that mistake ever again to the end that I could walk away from this team right? And focus on bigger things and it will take care of itself. I could walk away from a high performance team, Joe, and they will continue to move the business forward from a sense of ownership with very little leadership from myself. That takes tremendous time and effort and people relationship skills to build and no, not many people are good at it, but I love it. I love getting new people on my team. And oh, by the way, 
ramp up time for someone on coming onto my team before they feel that way and are doing those kinds of things is anywhere between three to four months tops tops, right? Well, that's awesome. Yeah. What's got, yeah. So at least I know that, right. And, and I have a teachable point of view on it. It's great. So here I am designing trainings for uh, small retail clients getting pummeled. No resources do my job. Not leading and developing people like I used to. Not sitting in meetings and strategizing and doing the things that I need to be doing that you hired me to do. Um, am I doing what I do best every day? No. No. Okay, so three strikes, you're out, right? Um, I will say, I'll just share with you the fourth one. This is equally as important. Someone has recognized my performance in the last seven days. Seven days is really crucial, by the way. Um I was talking with my boss about it because he and I went through this. I And I, by the way, I, I showed him this months later and I talked to him about it and he immediately took it the wrong way. He immediately was like, well, I'm a good leader. I'm like, this isn't about you. This is about me. And we talked about seven days. He goes, well, we have quarterly, you know, we're really good. We, we have quarterly meetings and we recognize good work at quarterly meetings. And I looked at him and I said, you cannot recognize people for their work and the amount of effort that this organization is asking from them enough. You have a pulpit every week with weekly staff meeting where you got 30 people on this call. We should be celebrating someone in every one of those calls because it'll lead to higher engagement. It'll lead to high performance teams. We'll get more done and you'll be a fucking folk hero. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Recognize your people. I recognize my people as often as I can, and 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 you got to be doing that. So anyway, I'm not in a really good place. Um, and the kicker was, so we've got I, hey, Maggie's going on vacation. She's going to take a two week vacation in in Ireland. I'm already down one, right? So now I got to pick up her work. I've got uh. Chris's work, and I'm going to pick up her work. Um, I told her yes before we let Chris go. Am I going to tell her no? She can't take her vacation. Yeah, no. No, not a fucking way. No way. This is your vacation. Go take it. Oh, but you're going to get killed. We'll figure it out. You go have a good time on vacation. I'll check in. I don't want you to check in. I want you to enjoy your fucking vacation because you've earned it. Go take your vacation. We'll figure something out. Good for Maggie. She did everything she could to try to help make sure I was good to go. Um, And like life would have it because here I am. Well, woe is me. Uh, my life sucks. This isn't going to get any better. Blah, 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 blah. Boom. Who hits the wall with one of our biggest clients? They want something. And of course they want it because they think we're saving babies, Joe. And we're not. But they, 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 uh, they want it in 30 days. I'm like, oh, God. All right, great. So at least senior leadership understood that I'm in trouble. And so they said, well, you know, don't send Scott any more work. He's going to focus in on this. Um. Do you have, I don't know what you do, but do you ever deal with high uh, maintenance clients? Yes. Okay. You know, where nothing is ever good enough for them. This was this client, right? Uh, oh, by the way, high maintenance clients for the most part, um, my experience with high maintenance clients is they, you know, nothing's ever good enough for them and they're really not good at doing the work themselves anyway. So they shouldn't even be fucking talking to begin with, right? <laughs> they wouldn't know good if it hit them right in the fucking face, right? They just don't. And they're, if you look at the work that they're doing, you can totally chill, tell like you guys are got your head so far up your ass, whatever. So, all right. They, they gave me someone to help manage the project. I'm going to run with it. I got one guy, Francisco. He's going to help me. And we're, we're, we're just, you know, circling the wagons. We're going to get done. I, uh, 
I work. I put in about a hundred hours a week for like three weeks on this thing. Ugh. Oh, yeah. And you know how um, I learned what anxiety was because I I didn't I didn't really ever suffer from it before. But you know, waking up in the middle of the night worrying about shit, right? And oh, by the way, you would get something done. When I was putting together a computer-based learning. Those things normally take ninety days. I had three weeks, right? Oh my god. So we. Uh, That's ugly. Oh, I'm working with my project manager on the marketing side and we're working on Saturday for hours, just looking at a document, send it over. It came back with stupid edits, like change and the, um, can we watch the line spacing here? Blah, 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 blah. And their expectation was that you would turn it back in before five o'clock on a fucking Saturday. On a Saturday, Joe. Wow. All right, cool. So here I am just just killing it, getting emails from people during phone calls, during movies and shit. And I'm texting people, I'm watching a movie with my wife. I'll get back to you. Staying up till one o'clock in the morning. Right. And it just boom, 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 boom. Edits, edits, edits. This isn't good enough. Blah, 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 blah. I think it's good. No, 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 no. Um, and oh, by the way, when, when you're that busy and your partner gives you copy and that's like the words we use on a page within any learning that we're going to create, Am I really reading through it? No. I'm just copying it. I'm pasting it in the program, and I'm assuming that it's good. And it wasn't good. So I'm talking with my mentor about it, and we were staying up. I was going to record. I was going to record a yard show just to get away from it. And I needed to – we worked till like 11 o'clock that night. And I made some joke to, you know, in levity, and she said, I just want you to know that the client isn't happy with this me personally about this and they're really you know i'm really embarrassed and she's my mentor like this is somebody i deeply care about that relationship right and i'm just gutted heartbroken right like oh my god i killed my boss is on vacation i emailed him hoping that he wouldn't read it like he shouldn't be reading it on vacation my email was hey listen this happened and i want to let you know before you get back and i feel terrible and i'm gonna work really hard to make sure it doesn't happen again and the worst part is I have literally killed myself over the last three weeks to try to meet the needs of this project with no resources whatsoever, working till midnight and on weekends and shit, and and they're not happy, and I'm gutted. And he emails me back. Oh, by the way, if you're a boss, right, and you're on vacation and you're checking your email and one of your employees who you know is getting steamrolled sends you an email like that, what do you do, Joe? This is not rocket science. What do you do? I'd reach out to him. How would you reach out to him, Joe? Come on, you're smart, Joe. <laughs> I would call him. You would fucking call him. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pick up the phone. Because if you're going to walk away from your family and whatever you're going to do and send an email to someone who just poured their fucking soul out to you, I feel like shit. I care about my work and my brand, and it's just been smothered through the mud, not because I'm an idiot, but because I've been left with nothing. You gave me a knife and put me in a gunfight. I'm fucked, right? Sends me an email. All right, great. And, you know, I, I email him back. I'm like, okay, well, there's your opportunity that you blew. Blew that opportunity, right? So I'm all just gutted. I'm just, oh, my God. So we're trying to pick up the pieces, and then John, my boss gets back, and we're talking. He goes, I got bad news for you. I'm like, what's that? He goes, well, we're going to have to cut the budget, so we're not going to be able to hire a lot of people. I know I, 
said I'd give you somebody else on your team, but that's not going to happen. You're not going to get anybody else. Oh, by the way, the person that we were supposed to hire to handle uh, Chris's work, yeah, we're, that that position's going away too. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. And I paused for like 30 seconds. And, you know, there are times in your life, Joe, where you just have to, like, speak your truth. And yeah. I spoke my truth, right? And I said, what about me? He goes, what do you mean? What about my growth and development? John, I've already told you this is unmanageable. We've already dealt with this. I'm already getting steamroller. My team's brand my brand is in the mud. Where do I go? How do I grow? How? And he's like, he listened to me do that for, like, an, uh, I don't know, five minutes. And I was nice. It wasn't about pointing fingers, you know, whatever. You weren't doing whatever because it wasn't about him. It was about what happens to me, right? And uh, he paused for a minute and he looks at me and he says, yeah, really haven't done right by you this year. And that was it. And I'm screaming in my head. What do you think I'm screaming, Joe? <laughs> what the fuck? Or no fucking shit you haven't done right by me? More importantly than that, you're right. Why don't you fucking fix it? Yeah. That's your job, right? Do you know how many times I've had an employee call me up and I've had to talk them off the ledge and the very first thing I do is go find a way to fix their problem? Because if I don't fix their problem, they're going to quit. Well, yeah. Right? They're going to leave. So I'm like, well, if you're not going to fix it and I'm screwed, I'm going to start applying for other jobs. So I started doing that. But I also made a choice. So this is where this story gets good. Are you ready for this? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So no more, and it, it, no, no more, no more whining, crying, bitching, and moaning. Really, for the next however long it takes me to tell the story, I decided then and there that I didn't want to live like this anymore. That I didn't want to live on two hours of sleep and try to figure out how to do my job. Um, it was affecting my marriage. It was affecting my health. It was awful, and I had. And I had been pinged by, um, you know, it just kept getting worse. How do, I, how do I get out of this? I need help. So I was pinged by a gal named Mary Lynn on LinkedIn. And um, she was a life coach. And I had never had a life coach before. And I'm, a, I'm like, I've had a shrink before. I'm like, I'm going to give this a shot. Um, I did go see a shrink too, by the way. I, got, I, I decided to go ahead and double down. Uh, I didn't get a, a lot of help from the shrink. I got, I had a tremendous experience with this life coach. So I drove out to see her. She's about 40 minutes away. I went to go out to see her, whatever. It was the most amazing thing. This is a great day, Joe. I walk into life coach's office. So what's going on? And I dump my bucket, right? So I just spent 40 minutes. I, I, I condensed that and the, the entire, you know, season two opener with old man shooty, all that shit. In like 25 minutes, just dump my bucket. At the end of this dump in my bucket on how people have been awful to me and how much drama is in my life. There had to be like three feet of just shit in her office, right? right? Just <laughs> All done. She looks at me and she smiles and she said this. I'll never forget this, Joe. This is awesome. Ready? Wow. You certainly have a lot of drama. Yeah. Would it blow your mind? If I were to tell you, that you're probably responsible for 90% of it. Yeah, probably. Mind blown. Where's the sound effects? Where's the sound drop? Fucking 
Ah, Benjamin <laughs> Thomas. Um, I, say, I don't have an explosion one. I need to work on that. I, you know, a lot of people would hear that and be like, fuck you. I didn't do anything wrong. But I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that I brought this on myself. Yes. Well, shit. Then I can fix it, right? And I'm a man. I'm a fixer, Joe. Are you a fixer? I am a fixer. We fix shit. All right. I'm going to fix myself. I am ready. Tell me what's going on. How do I fix this? And um, she started talking to me about some basis of the foundational stuff around um, the law of attraction. Are you familiar with the law of attraction, Joe? The opposites attract thing? No, the law of attraction isn't about opposites attracting, although <laughs> that is true. Um, is that just a Paula like, Duel song? Great, right? That's a great video, by the way. Her and that animated the cat. Animated that cat. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. The law of attraction is this. Um, uh, like attracts like. So the my understanding is that we are all spiritual beings living in a physical world, the world is made up of energy. And uh, we are made up of mind, body, spirit, Joe. The mind and our body and spirit, we are one, and we connect to this wonderful energy in the universe, right? And the more I talk about negative shit and the more I complain about negative shit, all it's doing is taking that negative energy, Joe, and bringing more to me that's true and what that's i needed to put your focus on 100 true and i'm like yeah you're right and then but if you can change your vibration and your energy focus to think positive stuff more positive stuff will happen to you okay writing down this notes right so she drew a picture of a dude and she's like we all have a love tank right we all have a love tank joe our job in this world is to make sure our love tank always fall so if i can change the world is a reflection of how i feel about it thoughts feelings and actions right so our thoughts turn into feelings which turn into real life shit okay great how do i fix that all right we're gonna get started on fixing that because you know the reality is that we all have beliefs about ourselves right our feelings and our thoughts turn into beliefs and whatever we believe about ourselves comes true. But the good news about that, because some of us have some bad beliefs. Like I, you know, I, there are many beliefs that I've had in my life that I'm that I'm not proud of. Like I, I honestly believed that I was never going to get very far um, doing the work I was doing. Like there is a cap to where I'm at in the organization that I'm in. Like director's probably going to be the, the highest level I'm ever going to get to. That is a belief that I had. And I don't believe that anymore. I'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes. But it's those beliefs are like the grooves of a record player, Joe. Here's the greatest thing, right? If you work at it, you can start to make new grooves and you could start to make new beliefs about yourself. And those become the tune of the life that we share, right? So... One of the things that she asked me to do is there's a book called uh, Love Yourself. It's really small. And it's all about some guy that basically told himself, like, I love myself like a thousand times a day. 
um, and the magical things that come from that. Because, again, it's, we're rewriting our story, right? Do you love yourself, Joe? Uh, very rarely. Oh, Joe. Joe, that is sad. <laughs> That's sad, Joe. It's you funny, know it's no, funny that you asked that because I was actually thinking about that. Like at, at one point in time, either today or it was within the last couple of days, I would thought that. And I was like, you do a lot better if you treat yourself a lot nicer. And then the oh. other part of my brain's like, fuck you, you worthless fuck. I'm like, all right, you're right. Joe, you got to start there. I'm going to tell you something. This is true. And anybody that knows you, I love you, man. You are one of the happiest guys I've ever known. I'm so happy to call you friend. I'm so happy that I can give you a hug at C2E2. Uh, but even though I, I knew I couldn't hang drinking with you guys on Saturday, it's still fun to see you and your wife. That was very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Thank you. But you would have drank me under the table, and that's that's okay. That's a belief I need to change, too. Like, I <laughs> I'm, like not, I'm not a very heavy drinker. <laughs> But the rest of the group is. The like, rest of the group is. I you try and hang with them, and you're going to be face down on the table. Can't. I knew I couldn't. And uh, um, I'll tell you, I, 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 two reasons. I flew home Saturday night at C two E two for two very important reasons. One is it was cheaper for me to fly home on Saturday night. But two, Lynn and I, every Sunday morning, well, not lately, but we would go to a bar on the Gulf of Mexico. And we would have breakfast together. We've been doing that for the last six months. Every Sunday. Having cigars and uh, having breakfast every Sunday morning. And I know how important it is to her. So when I said I was going to see 2E2, I made it a point that I was not going to miss that with Lynn. That that was more – hanging with you guys is great. Yeah, okay, you can miss that. I'm glad I didn't because that was the last time we went. And then uh, COVID-19 hit and shut everything down. So I got to experience that, right? But you should love yourself. And you can and you should. And you should totally be taking care of yourself and you should totally love yourself. I wasn't feeling a lot of love for myself then. I felt like a failure. I had the same conversation with somebody I met at, at C2E2, um, a friend of a friend. And I asked that same question. I'm like, do you love yourself? And this young lady goes, oh, I hate myself. And I genuinely looked at her and I said, I, that is so sad. You can change that. That's the best part. Like you could change that. So, you know, I start to put some new practices in place. You gave me an affirmation. Are you an affirmation guy, Joe? No. You know what they are though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was a piece of paper that I had to read. So I started to read it. I am so grateful that I am a calm and wise person and I could probably recite the rest of it, but you guys would be um, bored by that. So I started reading that every day before I went to the gym. I still have it in my car. I haven't read it as much because I'm doing other things that provide that. But it's building that foundation, rewriting that story in my head. One of the key points to all of this, right, is that, man, you you got to start with gratitude, right? If we're if we're not grateful about things, then we can't appreciate things. And and the best way to treat anything in this universe is with love. It's true. Love is the strongest thing in the universe got to treat things with love. So if you start from a foundation of being grateful, that can change how you feel about everything. It was incredibly powerful. Within a very short period of time, I started to feel different. And that's when I made that choice. I'm not going to start working. I'm not going to get up and look at my email at 6 a.m. in the morning and then go work out. Fuck that. It's going to mess up my day. That's true. All I'm going to be thinking about is all the bullshit that, no. No, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm going to get that 
that flaming email at 8 30 9 o'clock in the morning and then it'll be okay because we're not saving babies here it's totally okay right mm-hmm. um you've got to talk about and think about things as happening right now because that's what really fucking matters joe like i, I can't change the past i don't know martin mcfly tried and he kind of screwed up but you know <laughs> it, we can't predict the future I, I mean i really can't we're all thinking about what's going to happen in the future but it's not nearly as important as what's going on today. So if I could begin to think about, have gratitude for all these great things that are going on in my life, to I mean, right fucking now, how I feel about that changes dramatically. And sure as shit, Joe, good things started to happen. So um, there's a couple things that that I learned. I started meditating. So we talked about going to. Uh, yeah, you know, how do how do you fucking meditate? We should give me a, a track on how to meditate. Yeah, what kind of meditation thing. are you doing? I well, I don't know what it is, but I I, I started off by listening to a track and it was all visualization and it was you know. So it's like a the, guided meditation that you're listening. Yeah, guided to. meditation. Yeah, those are sit fucking down. great, dude. Great. Oh, you can get them. They're all over the internet and they're free. You go to YouTube, you can find a thousand of them, right? Yeah. Um, but it was thirty minutes long and it was all getting really relaxed, like self hypnosis shit and. It was all visualizing too, getting in touch with the universe around you. I know that sounds crazy as shit, but it's so true. I just want so many people to hear this joke because it's so important no, right it now. Important. More than I'm with you, man. Ever fucking important. So visualize things. I visualize things like, you know, one of the things in the guided meditation was, and, and I got anxious to hear about it, right? Because the first time you go through it, it's really cool. But then the next couple of times you go through it, it's it's great. Oh, by the way, sometimes you get so lost in my thought process and visualization that you just kind of lose track of what you're hearing and that's totally okay, right? And um, But it was like you open the door and you look in the door and it's like you see your life as you want it, right? And it's amazing. And Joe, like one of the very first things I saw, like there's this house, all right? I've got a nice house. Ask Brian. I got a really nice house. Um, but there's this house over on Sunset Boulevard that I didn't know how much I loved. But it's like an $800,000 house, right? Ooh. Yeah. Um, it, it's expensive. Four to $800,000. It, it's out, out of my budget, right? No way. All of a sudden, I started visualizing me living in this house. And it felt wonderful. Joe, why am I limiting, limiting myself from ever attaining that kind of thing? Well, I shouldn't. That's the answer. I shouldn't limit myself from the things that um, that I want. And so I've started experimenting, right? Um, I drive an RC, an Lexus RC three fifty. Do we talk about my baby? I've seen pictures of it online. It's fucking okay. Dope. It's dope. Dope as fuck. All right. Love my car. Lynn gives me shit about my car because I wash it all the time. I'm like, well, if you had a car this dope, you would wash it all the time yourself as well. <laughs> it must always right. be shiny and free of dust. And I bought a black one, which is a mistake, because as soon as I clean it, it's dirty. <laughs> Swear to God. Right? I have a black forerunner. I know exactly what oh, you mean. Oh, it's dirty. Minutes after you wash it, right? Mm-hmm. Look this car up. Lexus makes a $100,000 LC500. It's a sport coupe. It's Dope as fuck. I mean, just take my car and then just dip it in some batter of dope and then pull it out. You got the LC500. Like um, Yamaha partnered with Lexus to auto-tune the engine so that when it ran, that it would create this amazing sound inside the cabin of the car. I'm like, 
dope. Like, okay, great. Um, that's like a house payment, right? Holy shit. These are incredible. Why would I fucking, why would I even consider having a car like that? And I'm now someone starting to talk to myself, like, why not? Why can I not have a car like that? Like, I'm never going to buy one used, but now, you know, you excuse me, you never buy one new. It's $110,000 car. I, I don't have that kind of money. Um, <laughs> but someday, um, used ones are going for like 60. That's still wicked expensive. Right. But if I wait and I'm patient, I might be able to get one I can afford. Why can I be patient and wait and get one? Oh, by the way, the people that are buying them are old. They don't drive them a lot. And then they die of coronavirus and then they're selling them really cheap. With low miles, Joe, this is a fantastic bot time to be in the market for high-end <laughs> sports cars. Guess what? My wallpaper of my computer, guess what it is? The LC500? The LC5 fucking 500. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. On my phone, LC500. I know I'm going to have one of these one day. And then my wife will give me massive shit about having a completely um, useless car that um, only makes me happy when I drive it. And that's okay because I'm going to have this car someday. I know exactly I'm going to have this car someday. I know I'm going to have this car someday. But uh, if you had asked me two months ago, I, was, I was still would have been like, nah, forget it, whatever. At any rate, so I started doing th- that meditation. I found a guy online that I that I follow. He has podcasts too. He talked about um, the ladder technique. Have you heard about this? No. Manifestation is, you, you know about manifestation, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the secret, right? The, kind of. If you believe it hard enough, you can kind of manifest your own reality. Correct. Yeah. And I, I believe that it's true. And I, um, I'll give you some wicked cool examples as to why. Um, by the way, if you want to do this experiment, you could do this experiment. Everybody do this experiment. I, I did it and I thought it wouldn't work and it, it ended up working for me. Unbelievable. But Joe, I want you to think of one of two items, right? I want you to think of a, either a duck or a drum set. Okay. Okay. All right. And then what you're going to do later on, you could do it today, right now if you wanted to, everybody. Well, if you're driving, please don't do this. I need you to focus on, in your head, visualize a, either a duck or a drum set for 30 seconds. Just what does it feel like? What it, what does it look like? What sounds does it make? Um, if you had it, if you could hold like the duck, can you hold it in your hand, right? And you think about that for 30 seconds, right? Or up to a minute. The longer you think about it, the better, right? So just have that in your mind. And then I want you to forget about it. And within 48 hours, I guarantee you, you will see either a duck or a drum set. And no fucking cheat neither. Like if you visualize a drum set, go to Guitar Center. There's my drum set. Like don't be doing that. And I did that. Mine was a drum set, Joe. I thought about a drum set, drum set, drum set. And I'm like, whatever. First day goes by, nothing. Second day for the most part goes by. Nothing. I'm on Instagram. I shit you not. I'm on Instagram. Floating through Instagram. Picture of a drum set. <laughs> Where See, the fuck did this come from? I feel like I Holy fucked shit. myself over. I, I thought of duck, but I, Why see, not? I see ducks every fucking day. <laughs> like, I, I live on the object. edge of a fucking swamp, dude. <laughs> like, well, I see so great. many fucking ducks on my commute to work. <laughs> All right. Well, then pick a drum set. But honest <laughs> to God. That worked for me. Ladder technique, same thing. Well, you visualize think of that a for ladder. Thirty seconds. Fuck. Yeah. Let's start over. Okay. <laughs> but ladder technique. Visualize a ladder, Joe. Um, you think about it. Was it feel like? Was it feel to climb a ladder? Well, you know all that stuff, right? And then you forget about it. And then, within, um, just pay attention for over a week. And then when, um, 
when you're ready, you'll actually see a ladder. Again, no cheating, going to the Home Depot. There's my ladder, right? And then once once you see the ladder, then you can just begin to um, meditate on things um, and start manifesting good things in your life, right? Getting focused in using positive energy to bring positive stuff to your life. So like for me, what happened like the very next day, I swear to God, I went, I, I thought about it for the next day. Boom. There's a ladder. Great. I can go ahead and start. Oh, by the way, I saw letters, Joe, for like two, three weeks straight. Like every day I saw a letter. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> holy crap. What's going on? I don't know. I'm going to believe in this. This is cool shit. Thank you. Right. So, um, what you're supposed to do is actually get to a place, relax, get to where you relax, visualize a ladder and you visualize yourself climbing up a ladder, right? 22 steps. All right. You get to, to the top at 22 and then, um, visualize and, and give gratitude for something that's really important to you. Right. And then actually feel how you would feel um, with this. So I have, I have, and then you walk your way down and you can do it again. And the process of thinking about going up brings you closer to those things. The process of winding down helps bring that to reality. So what I would do is I, I had a, um, I had a, I had a, uh, I was thinking, uh, I am so grateful that I have a, um, higher paying, more rewarding career. Right. So I started thinking about that. What does it feel like? Where am I? What does my office feel like? How do my people feel toward me? How much money am I making? Am I driving an LC 500? I don't know, right? But I actually started to, you know, chunk out my ladder. So I have four of them that I think about. My yellow ladder, I painted them in my head. I know it sounds crazy, but it's so true. I have a yellow <laughs> ladder for my day. Like I want to have an amazing day. Everybody should have an amazing day. Every fucking day. You can do it. Just set yourself up for it. Watch if it doesn't come true. I'll think about my yellow ladder every day. I am so grateful. I'm going to have an amazing day. And I think about my day like I'm not going to have 500 emails. I'm only going to have 10 when I get to work. And none of them are going to be on fire. And I can go ahead and kind of float my way into my day and do it at a pace that I want to. Joe, every day I do that, that is exactly how my day goes. That is exactly how my day goes. I can't explain it. That is exactly what happens. Right. And I've been working on um, like I have a red ladder for love and helping my marriage and help me be a better you know, person. And I got a green one for money and stuff. So that's one technique I started. Works really, really great. Um, do you journal, Joe? I'm not disciplined enough. I, I have so many journals where it's like there's the first three to five pages have got stuff in it and then it's just done. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm terribly burned, disciplined at it. I, I burned through like three journals now like he and i get it right so for me it's all about focusing and rewriting those beliefs that i have about myself right rewriting those things like i i write down first thing i love myself i gotta write it like six times scott judy's a great fucking guy i love myself this is fantastic i'm a great leader right then you start writing and write some stuff that you know gratitude positive focus on the things that i want i am so grateful that i have a higher paying more rewarding job I'm so grateful that I am um, respected, celebrated, and promoted at work, right? I start writing all this stuff, and other things come to me, and I write. I write for a good five minutes. But I heard of another technique, and this, I can't tell you, I, I have to tell everybody about this technique because it's really important, and it's amazing, and it's part of a story that I'm going to, that, that, that I wanted to make sure I shared. So, Things are at least how I'm thinking about things at work are getting better. By the way, all the work that uh, I had to do for Chris, they, you know, my boss actually went to bat for me and said, 
we can't do this to Scott anymore. Oh, by the way, the work he's doing is bullshit. It's not adding any value to the organization, which is true. We got to get away from doing that. Great. Good. So, so we got, we got away from that. Thank God. How, why did that happen? My boss is a great guy. Sure he is. I started to think about that. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't point fingers, yell and scream and tell the world that it's unfair. Nope. It just fucking happened. Right. But I'm still applying for jobs. And so, um, because it, because at the time I still believed that I wasn't going to go anywhere and that I needed to get out. Sometimes you get that feeling like I, I need to get out. Right. And every time I meditated, I still kind of felt like, oh gosh, gee, I need to get out. Right. Um, there's a company in Fort Lauderdale. They're called Magic Leap. Ever heard of Magic Leap, Joe? It sounds really familiar. Magic Leap makes, um, they call it spatial technology, but basically it's augmented reality on steroids. Um, uh, so instead of, you know what augmented AR is, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, Pokemon go on your phone. Great. That's a, a augmented reality where, you know, we add digital things into the real world and it interacts with it. What Magic Leap does is they, they, they're just like the, um, Microsoft's HoloLens where they put this like goggles around you and it's connected to this little computer and then it creates 3d things that interact with your real environment. So if I were to go ahead and take and create a ball, Joe, and, and put it on the table in front of me, that ball would know it's on a table, would know if it rolled off a table, would know where it would roll into. Like if it rolled into a lamp, it would stop and hit the lamp, right? So everything's wow. connected. Oh, it's wicked cool. And so I applied there, like Fort Lauderdale, not too far away. This is my kind of tech. You know me. This is this is awesome. No this kidding. is great. This is, this is exciting stuff. And... um so I applied there, but I didn't hear back for about a month. And I, I heard on somebody talked about the 555 rule. By now I'm journaling. I'm journaling positive stuff. I'm doing about a couple couple minutes a day. I try to do it. If you if you write positive stuff, by the way, about yourself and about how you're feeling and things that you want in your life that are positive, you do it right before you go to bed. You sleep better and you start your day better. Like when you wake up. You just wake up happy because I went to sleep happy, right? Yeah, you kind so of clear the shit, slate before you go to bed. And, yes. Yeah. Putting yeah. some positive like, don't energy go to bed mad. Yeah, don't go to bed mad at your wife. Don't go to bed mad at yourself, right? So, okay, great. So I'm doing this. So the 555 technique is this. Ready? You find a you find a um, affirmation that you've got, and you write it 55 times, Joe, for five days in a row. I'm like, wow. Okay. By the way, incredibly powerful thing to do with your mind. And your mind is an incredibly powerful thing. Your mind can do things that that you're just not aware of. Have you ever heard about the movie The Man Who Runs? I don't it's think so. It's a true story. So there's a documentary called The Man Who Runs, and there was a guy, and he lives in Alaska, and he runs outside in the frigid cold. Um, and he runs just like I would run down here, um, in his shorts and sometimes a shirt on top, but most of the time, not. Whoa. <laughs> and so they're like, don't you get cold? And he's like, Nope, don't get cold. So what they did was they put him in a, like a controlled room and they hooked up monitors to him and they turned the temperature down 
to about, I don't know, like 10 or below, you know, or like zero, right? And they saw his internal, but this is a true story, his internal body temperature went down and then slowly it came back up, Joe. Came back up, right? 98.6. Zero degrees in this freezer, 98.6. Well, how the fuck does that happen? When he tells a story, this guy, when he was a kid, fell into the ice, came out, sitting there waiting for help to arrive. And uh, it's getting colder and colder and colder. And all he did was he told himself, the cold is my friend. The cold cannot hurt me. The cold makes me stronger. He told himself that for about an hour. And then when people picked him up, you know, his temperature was a little lower, but it wasn't too bad. But he's been telling himself that for 30, 40 years. Now the brain is, is telling him that, yeah, it's cold outside, but I got it. No problem. I'll just raise body temperature. That's mind over matter. That's, that's real shit. Like, well, that's cool. All right, great. I'm not, my chi isn't anywhere there, but all right, we'll go ahead and we'll do mind over matter stuff. Five, five, five. All right. Got a fresh, uh, journal. I started writing, by the way, make sure you have an affirmation that is, um, Kind of short because you're going to blow through <laughs> That's paper. the first right? thing that popped into my head when you said you'd write it 55 times. 55 times. <laughs> I actually went through four sheets of journal paper because mine was um, – are you ready for this? Mine was, again, I'm so grateful that I have a higher paying, more rewarding career. We're 55 times, five days in a row. Boom, 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 boom. Took about 20 minutes each time I did it, right? Got done, waited a day. Yeah, hey, this is so-and-so that magically people like to call you in for an interview. Really? Yeah. Well, now I'm aware. That's not coincidence. Can't be coincidence. Can't be coincidence at all. The shit works. I started writing it again, right? Um, had a had a had a first interview with Magic Leap. Oh, very first thing she goes, Oh, you want to move to Fort Lauderdale? In the back of my head, I'm like, I don't know, I don't want to move to Fort Lauderdale, but but I will if the opportunity's right. Like I wasn't looking, but if the opportunity's right, that's great. Um, that's gonna come into play later, right? So that interview goes really, really well. Um and next thing you know, I've got another interview with these guys. Like two weeks later, I'm like, well, cool. Near the end of Christmas, I talked to this guy named Josh, right? And he's a sales manager. We had this really great interview. Like the guy, you know, after working for somebody that doesn't understand what I do, um, this guy understands the value of what I bring. He was a director of training and development for Magic Leap. And we started talking, talk to me about this, talk to me about that. How do you develop sales training? You know, what do you, what do we need to do here? We need to do there. It was a great conversation. Like we had to quit the conversation early, but great conversation. Fantastic. Um, then the next thing I know, I, I've got a third interview set up. Like first of the year, I got an interview with the HR rep. I'm like, nice. I'm getting close. To, now I'm, now I'm talking to Lynn. I'm like, Hey, um, I need you to understand something. Uh, I'm going down the road of, of this interview process and, it's going real well, and oh, by the way, this is a job that's going to pay double what I'm making right now, and I'm making pretty good money. Um, this is a big opportunity for us, and I need to know if you're okay with it. And she's like, "Well, I don't, you know, she's I don't know, if she wants to move or anything, but I need you to understand that this is a big opportunity." It's like if you say no, you don't want to move, then I'll stop. It's like, no, no, I'll support you. I'll support you. Okay, great, but I'm still a little confused about it. While this is going on, <clears throat> while this is going on, I I had an opportunity to give a presentation. Um, to a group of field reps for the organization that I serve in Nashville, right? About 50 people. And uh, by the way, training trainers is a really terrible thing to do because they're the hardest audience in the world to get to. And um, and I knew it was coming up and it was big. So I started that uh, 
that affirmation I told you about. It was like I did the five, five, five rule on this one too. It was I'm so grateful that I am respected, celebrated, and promoted at work. Like here's an opportunity that I have for our largest client to train their people. And I'm going to make the most of it, right? So I do that. Go out to Nashville. My boss was going to watch the, the, the meeting. He had to slip away. My old boss is in there. And the head of uh, the growth director, the head of all these people, for one of our largest clients, our largest clients, in the back of the room. And I crush it, Joe. Nice. Like, just completely crush it. Like, my old boss is taking video and sending it to my new boss. Said, he's playing this room like like nobody's business, like, like a chef in the kitchen. Just, I had everybody boom that that's done. I feel great. Of course. I mean, this is something I'm good at. So I'm done. I get done. It's great. I feel good about myself. Growth director. Her name's Bridget. She walks up to me. What are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, what are you really doing? And so I said, told her what I was doing. I told her all the bullshit work that I had been doing last year and some of the things that I'm still struggling with and this and that. And the next thing. I was just transparent about where I'm at, what I want to do. And she's like, you know what we need? And I just this just hit me. And she goes, well, I go, what? Well, we need a sales enablement director. And after watching you, I can tell right now that there is nobody in this organization more qualified to do that and to lead my team to do better things than you. Let's talk. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. <laughs> wow. Right? So we spent the whole day talking. I'm like, wow, okay, 555 worked again, right? Celebrated, promoted to work. Fantastic. So I'm super stoked, right? She goes, do I need to have a conversation with your boss? I think we need to start thinking about how do we make this happen. Great. So I went, I had a coffee with my VP and I, we were talking about stuff, and I, I let him know, this is what happened to me yesterday, Ben. And Ben's also a guy that has no fucking clue what I do, right? But he knows that I'm a good guy, and he knows I'm a good leader. So I'm just, you know, I did the triangle, you know, I talked about the pyramid thing, all that good stuff. Gets done, he goes, wow, that's exciting. Yeah, we could support the work. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, you really didn't hear me, because in order for me to do this work, I'm going to have to stop doing what I do now. Like, you're going to need to take me off of what I'm doing right now so I can do this, Right? period. And his answer was, well, we could support the work. We'll find a way to support the work. And my, my current boss, same answer, right? So not that I wasn't being clear about what was being asked. It was just clear to me that there still were needs of the business that needed to be made and that this wasn't going to be an overnight thing. Got it. Okay, great. I got it. I have an opportunity to do some things I love to do and I have an opportunity to make a difference. I'm going to make that difference. I'm going to start working on that. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I shouldn't tell myself maybe. I'll get into that in a minute. As soon as, so again, no coincidence that this opportunity comes at the end of celebrated promoted work. I started writing again. Hey, want a higher paying, more rewarding job. I kid you not, just like that drum set, boom. Yeah, we'd like you to, this magic leap, we'd like you to come for Lauderdale and talk with us for an entire day. Whoa. Yeah. That's some serious shit. I call Alente. He's like, oh man, they're really interested in you. Like if they invest that, you invest that kind of time with someone, they're ready to make an offer. They're just going to make sure it's a good culture fit. So I tell my wife, I take a day off. I drive all the way down to Fort Lauderdale. I spent an entire day. I got to play with the tech. The tech's amazing, by the way. It was fantastic. Like I had a 
intuitive learning moment. I hadn't had this since I was six, but I put the goggles on. Like, imagine you're looking at this like field of stars all around you, but you're still aware of all your space around you because it's still there. You can see it. And um, if I put my hand into the star field, the music would play, right? And then I see in the corner of my eye this orb. And I told the story like a thousand times. And um, I just put my hand underneath the orb in the spatial that I was in. And intuitively, I knew to drag it into the star field. And as soon as I did that, I started interacting with the stars around me and making more music. No one told me to do that, Joe. I just, in my gut, knew that that's what I needed to do. I can't explain it. It was the coolest <laughs> fucking shit. And I'm, I'm a learning guy, so I immediately knew what this was. And I'm like, this cannot be replicated. I cannot replicate this in any kind of environment, period. Holy shit. That's what awesome. we can do with this. This is awesome. So guess what? Everyone's like, did you play with it? Oh, I got to play Angry Birds too, but in a 3D environment, which is really kind of cool. You played Angry Birds, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, and at first you start playing the puzzle like it's uh, like like you're on your iPad. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I could move around. I could attack the, the castle from this direction. And, and that was a learning moment. And nobody told me to do that. Holy crap. This is cool. Like, I want to be a part of this. And, you know, they're a startup company. They've got massive venture capitalists that have invested like $3 billion into this company, right? So they, they, they've got a lot of money, but they're still a startup. So there's a lot of work that gets to, gets, needs to get done. I'm super excited about the opportunity to do all this work because I can take what I do and um, make a difference. I'm excited, right? All I want to do is make a difference. And I talked to like eight people that day. And again, I crushed it, right? How is your tech experience? Well, this is what I found, and this is what I'm excited about. Blah, 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 blah. There's a whole bunch of people from – this is like um, early February. A whole bunch of people from Japan are showing up. Oh, by the way, the whole office looks like it's a fucking 80s arcade, right? Oh, so I'm nice. it, Yeah, like video games in the corner and shit, neon. I'm like, oh, this is me. I'm a nerd. I'm in fucking nerd heaven. Um, I, I went to go see my uh, – the guy, the hiring manager, Josh, right? And I already talked to him. I mean, a whole bunch of people there from uh, Japan. And I was going to ask him about that because he was wearing a suit. And these guys don't wear suits. They were like fucking flip-flops to work, right? You know, shorts and flip-flops. This guy's in a suit. Like, what the hell is going on? He goes, well, we've got um, we got reps in here from Docomo. Well, based on the nature of my work, I know who Docomo is. Do you know who Docomo is, Joe? I don't know if I've heard of that one. Docomo is the largest wireless provider um, in the world, uh, they, they sell wireless phones to, um, the people in Japan the, you know, they sell more handsets than anybody else. Okay. So for them to have, they said, we we just, he goes, we just signed an ex- exclusive agreement with Docomo. And I looked at him like Docomo. And he's like, yeah, he starts smiling because he knows I understand the significance of that. Like, this is a huge opportunity. Awesome. Then he looks at me and he's like, uh, I have an apology I need to make. Like, well, what's that? We were supposed to get you lunch, but somebody fucked up, and then you get your lunch. So come to me in a snack bar. All the food is free. I'm like, oh, great. So go ahead and pick something. I go, I'll have these almonds. He goes, solid choice. And I looked up at him, and, you know, very confident. By the way, if you ever had an opportunity to be in an interview, the most important thing you've got to have is confidence. And I was just like, oh, great. 
He was solid choice. I look at him, I go, does that mean we can continue our interview or do I need to go home? No, 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 we can continue the interview. Great, cool, right? So we're we're talking and I'm doing a lot and I approached every interview from a relationship perspective because the number one thing I believe that leaderships, leaders do is build the relationships. So I am building relationships with these people that I'm talking to right now in the hopes that if they bring me on, that they already exist. These are people that I'm going to work with. So they're going to have to like working with me. They're going to have to understand what I know. They have to understand how I treat people. And my stories were always the same. They were always, your people have been very kind to me. That's, that's new. You got great tech. I'm super excited about the opportunities. Um, and some of the things we talked about were like, you know, what's, you know, what are some of the challenges here? Well, it's a startup. So not all of our processes are in place. And I was like, Oh wow, that sounds exciting. What do you mean? Oh, so we have the opportunity to show leadership and create processes that move the business forward? Because, well, yeah, every day we do. How great is that? And we can evaluate these processes and change them because I got to tell you something, in legacy companies, that doesn't happen, right? True. I mean, how long does it take you to change a process? Like for fucking forever, right? So, (laughs) you know. It's hard to do that. Right? Right? So, at any rate, um, I have a great day. I talk to people about it. Although the last thing I felt weird about the last part, recruiter comes in and she's talking about stuff. And I was still iffy about relocation. And I, I had talked to like 50% of the people I had talked to there said that they worked remote. And so I was like, I'm going to ask this question because I've worked remote 10 years. Um, I get it. You want me in the office every day, but I got to build relationships. I get that. I get you're going to want me on uh, in the office more than not. But can we baby step our way there? That is exactly what I told the recruiter. And um, she's like, well, Josh really wants somebody here. I said, oh, I'll get there. I just, what's your expectation? How soon do you need me moved and family here in Fort Lauderdale? What, what's your expectation? I don't know. Do you think you could work something out? I mean, because I was like, can I work four days here and then travel back home, work, work a day and work that out till we move, right? That's my question. Fair question, I think, Right. I'm going to make this move. I think it's a fair question. She's kind of put off by that. Do you think he works something out with Josh? Yeah. So then I get home. I'm like, yeah, I think this might happen. And Lynn's like, oh, I'm so excited. So I even wrote her a, a like, you know, okay, so what's the, what's the next step? Well, the next step is we'll give you a call next week. Okay, great. So in between now and then I wrote my recruiter and I said, I was super excited about the opportunity and Moving to Fort Lauderdale because I, I, you know, I reached out to people. I felt kind of like kissing your sis- sister, right? Like it didn't feel right. So, hey, yeah. we're excited. All right. Week goes by. Didn't hear from the recruiter. But I'm in a new headspace. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's all good. I'm not going to worry about it. This is my job. I know this is my job, right? And so now I'm doing the – now I'm changing what I'm saying about it. I'm so, I'm, I'm so grateful that I have a higher paying, more rewarding – career at magic leap like i'm gonna get this job right so i started writing that i mean like a thousand times i wrote it like lynn's giving me shit like are are you how much are you gonna write and i'm like sharing with her stuff um then you know another week goes by didn't hear anything but i'm telling myself nope it's my job no news is good news right no news is fucking good news this is great so i go out to c2e2 i'm hanging out with uh greg alente did you see the video that we did? Yes, it was hilarious. Handy Greg goes to Comic-Con. Look it up yep. on YouTube. And like I said, um, there is um, about five to seven 
really great scenes that he cut. <laughs> and I hope that he makes a shooty cut because it's fucking great. It's his, really great. His Handy Greg channel is so funny. I need to it's, get him on this show sometime too. You've got to get Alente on the show. Now, Alente is a director of learning and development. So he and I are in the same industry. So uh, he's an accountability partner of mine. We talk about stuff all the time. Like Greg's just a good dude. He's really funny. Um, but he's also just really supportive. And he underst- and he knows his shit. Like he and I have the same teachable point of view about leadership and about people and all that good stuff. Fantastic. Awesome. So he's like, hey, did you hear from Magic Leap? Nope, didn't hear from him yet. Okay, great. So next thing you know, it's like Friday. And I go back to my room and I'm, I'm just exhausted, right? You know how, how it is. You get on the floor for a couple hours. Oh, just fucking exhausted. That, yeah. had, you know, just exhausted. Lay down, open up my email. Um, Joe, if you, I'm, I'm going to guess you probably haven't applied for a few jobs in, uh, in a few years, have you? No, it's been quite some time. Okay, so one of the things that they do when um, when you apply for jobs is if they're not going to interview you, you get you get a I'm going to call it a forum email, and it almost I mean every one of them kind of say the same thing, but you know it's like hey we got your got your resume and while your work experience is impressive, we've decided to go with other candidates at this time. Yeah, right. And that's what every fucking biz bag who ever applied for every job that they didn't want to interview for any fucking reason gets. That's the email that they get. So I'm going through my email. There's auto reply magic leap. Ha. Huh. Open it up. That's the email I got. Ah. Oh. So I thought about it. And I started reaching out to people and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. I, I, you, I just spent two months of my life interviewing with you guys. I felt like I crushed it, right? Um, you didn't get back to me like you said you would. Uh, and, you know, well, you didn't even fucking buy me lunch. Uh, and, and you sent me a form email. So I actually forwarded that off to my recruiter. And I just said, I just want to confirm that you're not going to move forward at this time. Because I've got the system. You know, it's a system email. All I got to do is check a name and out it goes. Exactly. It's a cowardly thing to do, right? Have you ever interviewed for people? Uh, like actually interviewed people for a job? Yeah. I've been involved in it, but not like one-on-one. Okay. Well, we have a policy at, a, at where I work <clears throat> is, um, by the way, if you, if you get a face-to-face interview and you're not going to get moved forward, um, if it's internal, I have to call that person and I have to tell them that we're not going to move forward with them. And then I kind of have to explain what they can do to get better and so that they're ready for the position next time. That's and those policy. conversations are really hard. They, I, I'd imagine they would be hard, but they got to be if, – if the employee has the right head on their, on their shoulders, they'll use it as a growing opportunity. Oh, and I always focus in on that. And by the way, I've had external people that have reached out to me and said, hey, I didn't get this job, but I, I want to know how I can get better. And I always make time for them. I have a uh, an accountability partner, a gal named um, Emily May, and she was phenomenal. But she wasn't exactly what we were looking for. Like I needed somebody with better design experience, and she didn't have it. 
She's got tremendous leadership capabilities, right? Understands learning development better than most people I've ever talked to. Like I would put her on my team in the right position to manage projects any day of the week. Like I would do that. Like one of these days I'm going to take over the world and one of the people I'm going to call is her. Why? <laughs> well, I am. I, I've already told her that. We are going to take over the world someday and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have you on my team. I would love to have you on my team someday because I know that she's the kind of person, I just know it, that would take direction and, and run with it and grow, right? So we do a lot of chit-chatting and I mentor her and all that kind of good stuff, but she's fantastic, right? Um, but that came from her having the humility to say, hey, listen, uh, can I connect with you and how do I get better? So um, I didn't hear anything back from my recruiter and, and thank God I was with Greg. So I told Greg and Greg's first words were, fuck those guys, right? <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't, don't want to go there. I know if I go there, bad things are going to happen to me. Yeah, you're going to be dipping back into the negativity that you've been Don't doing so go there. good at keeping away from. Yeah, not going there. So we go out party instead. I told Joe, because the same fucking thing happened to Joe Vitale. The same thing, where they sent out this cowardly form letter to him. They flew him to Dallas, Texas, this company. Flew him. From where he were, you know, West Virginia, Virginia to Dallas, Texas for a whole day of meetings. And he gets a fucking form letter. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. It's, it's cowardly is what it is. It, it is. And you know what? They're going to make this choice. Okay, great. They made a choice. Fantastic. Great. I told Joey, he goes, same thing happened to me. I, I thought you heard. I thought I saw you talk about this. That's, so he's been very supportive. He sent me a, the email he sent to his hiring manager and the email he sent to his uh uh, recruiter. And I copied some of that, sent one off the recruiter, sent one off the hiring manager. He sent a really great, you know, thanks for thinking about me. By the way, who does this? If if you get turned down from an email or if not from an email, from an interview, fucking reach out to that hiring manager and thank him. Thank him for your time. Thank you for the opportunity for interviewing me. Right. Even if you don't get turned down, if you're in and people don't do thank you letters anymore, what the hell is wrong with people? That used to be like, Core one, right? Yeah. Thank you note. Set yourself apart. Set th thank you note. Joe's hiring manager wrote him a really nice reply back. I'm going to hold on to your resume, right? Well, he actually called Joe back, probably not. But that was nice of him to say. It was great. I wrote to Josh. Very simple. Had, had an accountability partner of mine look it over. Sent it off. Never heard back from that. So I'm all like, okay. Well, there's something they're looking for. And something specific that they're looking for that I don't have. And that's okay. Because they turned down a leader like me. And that's not what they're looking for. They're not looking for someone that's going to come in, put together a team, and you know make them um, accountability rock stars and move the business forward. That's not what they're looking for. That's fantastic. That's fine. And I tried to be really upbeat about it. Not too upbeat, but you know. Not get down in the dumps. Here's the great thing that happened. This is this is the miracle. Like miracles happen in our lives every day. So in during this time, it's so important to talk about this shit because it's wicked important. Um here's the miracle that that happened. So I decide I'm gonna grow this year. I didn't get this job, but I'm gonna grow. I'm either gonna grow by growing out or I'm gonna grow where I'm at. But fucking A, I'm gonna grow. So I have a one-on-one -on -one with my boss every week. And I just 
I always send out an agenda. Do you have one-on-ones with your boss? Uh, not like scheduled or anything like that, but I mean, oh. she, she's in the office right next to me. So I just walk in and talk to her all the time. You got to have scheduled one-on-one time with your people scheduled because then it's important. And I tell my team that and I got to get on them because they're not very good at it. You know, one of the things you need to do pro tip, you send an <laughs> agenda out before every one-on-one you have with a senior leader, because otherwise they just turn in. I'm going to talk about whatever. And it sends a message. What do you think? What message do you think it sends, Joe? If you're if you're not sending an agenda before a meeting? No, 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 no. Do you have direct reports, Joe, or no? Uh, no. Okay. All right. If you had a direct report, they sent you an agenda before a scheduled one hour time that you were going to talk about work and them. How would you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't really have the context of what you're talking about. <laughs> it's not something right. you do, so I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to help you out. I was trying to involve you more because I feel like I'm just talking my fucking ear. So, I'm absorbing it. This is good I stuff, know, Scott. Right. So here's the thing. Are you ready? Here's, here we go. It shows that that time is important. It's important to me. So every time I meet with my boss, like today I met with my boss. Here's what we're going to talk about. You know what? We went the hour today, and there are things in our mind Jen, we didn't get to. He's like, you had the other stuff to talk about, didn't you? Yeah. Need more time with me? Yeah, I kind of do. I need like 10, 15 minutes. Great. I'll talk to you at 4.30 today. That happens because I have set the tone that my time with my leader is important. It's important for the things that I'm working on, and I need his guidance on stuff. And the level of respect that comes between the two of us because we hold that time uh, sacred and because we set an agenda for what we're going to freaking talk about. Um, it's been really helpful for where I'm going. I'm much happier at work. So I set an agenda. I'm like, today we're going to talk about me. And that was it. He's like, okay, I'm interested in this because usually I have about 10 fucking things and today I only got one. <laughs> and I started off the conversation with, been here 10 years, been doing the same job for seven. How do I grow? This is really important. By the way, do you know what the most important thing you need to have if you want to get promoted, Joe? Uh, the desire to put yourself out there and say that you that's, want to be promoted. That's important. That, will that get you promoted? Uh, not It'll always. Help. It'll help. I think it's important. You've got to take your own career development on yourself. Very few people are going to own your career development. You have to own it. That's true. And, you know, not everybody works for mutant like me. Um, but I'm thinking about my team. I'm thinking about how I can grow my team because it's important. The most important thing that you need in order to get promoted, I believe, is advocacy. I need somebody. Yes. Probably more than one person. Like a group of people. Who are going to say, Scott's the shit and we need to promote him. I need advocacy. So I asked John, by the way, you want to have this conversation? Don't wait to have this conversation. Ask this question. What do I need to do to earn your advocacy? Pause. Listen. Be humble. Whatever the hell they're going to tell you. You take and you run with it, right? Throw your ego out the door, whatever they want to tell you. 
in my case is like it was the greatest conversation I've ever had in my entire career, Joe. Um, Joe, unbelievable. Like, Joe was like, you know what? You're right, and I gotta be honest with you. Um, I'm thinking about that too, but I don't know how to really help you. I'm like, okay, that's fair, right? And he's like, somebody made this decision to move your team underneath me. And is that the right place for you? Honestly, I don't think so. And I was like, holy shit, this is coming out of your mouth. Holy shit. Like I'm, I'm immediately, immediately my respect level for my boss, like jumped up a thousand times because <laughs> nice. we're being real with each other. Like, Hey, you're awesome, but I don't know how to help you. I'm not the right guy. Just like you're an accountant and I'm this, and I don't know how to help you. How do we put you in the right spot? We got to start talking about this. You're right. Cause I got people below me that need that are ready. Like Maggie's ready for that next step. And I'm, I can't promote her cause she'd be in the same position as I am. We can't have two same level positions that I'm her boss. Don't work that way. And if you're in that position, get the fuck out, man. That's stupid. Right. <laughs> so he, he and I are just talking about that. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, what do I, what can I do? How can I do more? I want to do more. How do I do more? So he's like, okay. So we kind of sort of put some plans together. I need you to write a job description. I don't think you've got one. I don't have one. I'll start it tomorrow. Right. Boom. Let's put a vision. Like what does learning look like for this organization? By the way, learning in our organizations all over the place. I had a conversation with my boss today about this organization that has like three times the amount of people that we have and our work is better. I can't live with that anymore. I'm just not. How, how do we provide influence and how can I provide leadership and influence to help them raise their bar? The work needs to be better. We can be better. This is garbage. He's like, yeah, it's garbage. This is garbage. How can I help them? And this is not that they're bad people. They don't know any better. They haven't had the right talent and leadership in place. How do we do that in a way that supports, you know, their egos and, and isn't you suck, get better. It's, have you ever thought about it this way? Would it make sense to do it that way? Exactly. Right. And I was, and I told, told John, uh, my boss's name is John. All right. Him figure. I let his name slip like a hundred times, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a thousand Johns working for my company. He, uh, I go, um, I want to be clear, right? We've talked about my growth. We talked about putting me in a better position. How do I get the next, that next level? This is not about that. I just want to do what's right for the organization. I want to do what's right. And if something great comes from that, great, but I'm going to feel awesome. that I'm doing the right things. And he looked at me and he's like, you know, something great will come because you're doing the right things. I, I hope so. But if not, fine, because I get to do what I do best every day, create high performance teams. Right. So miracle number one, fantastic conversation spewed on by the fact that I didn't get a job that I thought I was going to get. Again, throw all this positive energy at something and it doesn't come through. Well, there's got to be a reason for it. What's the reason for it? Very next week, COVID-19, boom. Everything changes, right? All of a sudden, we're, uh, we're told to stay home. Our partners, our big partners are shutting down their offices. People that are supposed to go out and meet with people, train with people, can't do it anymore. And it's slowly happening. I'm watching this happen. 
No one knows what's going on. Everybody's anxious, right? Mm-hmm. On a whim, Joe, are you ready for this? On a whim, I go and I open up um, my phone. I go to Google on my phone. Because I've been tracking the company that I was going to hopefully work for someday, they're in that algorithm, that AI algorithm, that'll bring me news feeds, right? Uh-huh. I open up Google, top news feed. AR company Magic Leap seeking a buyer. Mm, they're in trouble. They get most of their parts from China. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. They got a product that costs $2,500 in an environment where I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend 2500 bucks. So now they're looking for somebody to buy them out. Could you imagine, Joe, me trying to sell my house, even if they're in good position, trying to sell my house right now? No. <laughs> no. What the fuck? What the fuck? Right? Could you imagine being, I mean, holy crap, on the eastern side of uh, Florida, that's where all the cases of COVID are. We've got like four in my town. There's like 50 over on this side of the coast. They're all over there. They all came off cruise ships. So they're just swimming in the sick. Like, this is not a good place for me to be. And, oh, by the way, this organization is in trouble. They're probably not going to make it. Joe, they're not going to make it. But you dodged a bullet. I am so blessed. I put all that positive energy out. Got something that I didn't expect. But it ended up being positive. Look at the look at the conversation that I had. And the op- oh, it gets better, right? So I'm like, I sent that off to my life coach. Um, and we meet every week. Life coaches are great. They're expensive, but they're worth it. And she was like, oh my God, this, this, right. And you know, she was supportive. Like I didn't get the job. Like we were like, you, oh, we know we're going to get the job. I didn't get the job. You're going to get it. It's all a matter of when you just got to know the when and be positive. And that's all I was. I'm positive. And I, there are people, and there's a better than average chance, Joe, that right after I interviewed that they knew they took a look at their market strategy and they took a look at what was going on in the world. And they took a look at, you know what? We were going to need to change our strategy. Like in order for us to survive, we're going to need to get a buyer. It's probably not a good time to hire this team. That's going to focus on sales. Cause that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Right. So we're going to eliminate the position. And instead of being honest with this guy, cause we're kind of embarrassed about it. We're just not going to say anything. Yeah. We're just going to send him a form letter right. and just say, Oh, here you go. Is that, I get it. Is that the right thing to do? No. No. The, the, do I understand the expedient it? Thing. Do I understand it though? Yeah. And how should how should we respond? Well, we should respond in love. Well, yeah. Well, Absolutely. and also that's in a way, you know, you not getting that it it kind of works out because you were in positivity training leading up to it, so you're yep. in the best possible position to get bad news. So, yeah. I mean, like it worked out for you really in multiple ways, which is pretty yeah. beautiful. Like I, Joe, Joe wrote me back and he's like, did, uh, so did your recruiter ever get back to you? No. And Joe's response was great. Well, they could take a magic leap off a cliff. And I was like, <laughs> that's really funny, but there's a reason why. And I'm just going to focus in on it's okay. It's At the end of the day, it's okay. <laughs> And getting all mad and pissed off about it isn't okay. My wife's like, man, I'm so glad you didn't get it. Because here okay. I am in an organization that in the midst, midst of this crisis um, is taking care of its people. 
And I believe in my heart, I know in my heart that we're going to make it through and they're going to take care of their people. And I'm very happy about that. And that's awesome. But one of the things that I wanted to make sure that, and we can, if you want to talk more after this, that's fine. But one of the things that I, that I found out was that I went, you know, we're all dealing with this. And so I've got people that I follow on YouTubers and whatnot. And, and some of them are talking about it. And one of them, um, Andrew Schumann, you should look her up. She's fantastic. Andrew Schumann, she's on YouTube. She was like, how to thrive in a state of panic. Because that's kind of where we're at, right? Definitely. Everybody's has, we're all having this shared negative experience. And what I know about the universe is negative promotes negative, right? So the more fear we have about this, the worse it's going to get. And oh, by the way, like we talked about earlier, Facebook's just full of it. Yeah, the Facebook, news is the news cycle. Full of it. The news are, they're loving it. And they're, they're, they're making excuses for it. We're just trying to give you the facts. No bullshit. You're scaring me to death, so I'll keep watching you, just like Stan's dad on South Park. Watching the news incessantly, waiting for the world to end. Because we're a bunch of fucking lemmings, and that's what we do, right? Yeah, well, people um, gravitate towards things that make them miserable. Miserable. Andrew Schumann, um, quoted Einstein. Einstein said this, in the midst of every crisis, there is opportunity. In the midst of every crisis, there is opportunity. And I held on to that. And I remember that was the first weekend we were, you know, you know, social distancing, stay at home. Sunday night, I'm watching the news. I'm like, I can't. Lynn, turn this shit off. I, I, this is depressing. And that just resonated. In the midst of crisis, there is opportunity. Okay. All right. I'm going to hold on to that. I go to work. I swear to God, it's a true story. I go to work. Um, half my team, and from a leadership position, not my team, they, they shut down the, the office. Um, and so everybody had to work from home. And my boss is um, working from home. And we started a Monday morning meeting. And he started a Monday morning leadership meeting, which is something I had been encouraging him to do. And he did it. And I was so happy. This is great. I can be part of leadership decisions. This is fantastic. And he opens up the meeting and he starts, woe is me, doom and gloom, this is awful. And everybody joins in. Doom and gloom, this is awful. And I get it. We all have the right to feel how we need to feel about stuff. But as a leader, as a leader, it's really important that we maintain self-esteem and provide safety because that's what everybody needs right now, Joe. We need to feel safe. Yeah. So they do this for like 10 minutes. Everybody's kind of chiming in. And I, I said, I have a different point of view if that's okay. Go ahead, Scott, share that. I said, well, in the midst of crisis, there is opportunity. And I'm going to challenge my team this week to look for opportunities. There are things that we haven't been able to do because we've been under the tyranny of now and members of the cult of busy, and we haven't done the things that are necessary to move learning and development forward with our clients. And now we've got time. Oh, by the way, I've got field team members who are stuck at home with nothing to do. Can we leverage their thought leadership and save their you know, their jobs so that they're productive and they're adding value to the corporation. Yes, 
So we're going to put a pitch together this week, and we're going to do that. And I would challenge everybody on this call, everybody on this call this week, to look for the opportunity amidst the crisis. Pause. John, Scott, you're right. Boom! <laughs> Boom! He and I talk about it again on Wednesday. Um, this was last week. Here's the groovy thing. So we started putting this stuff together. My team is super excited. They're super stoked. They were scared because our workflow went down. There's uncertainty in what we're doing. So no one's doing the same. We can't do the same thing we used to do. We got to find a way to digitally deliver what we're doing. Oh, by the way, so this is a true story. Friday afternoon, I started to look into some stuff. Um, I went to a webinar on distance learning. Now, you can't just take on regular classes that you would teach in a school or to an organization and just put them on a webinar and expect you're going to get the same results because there are dynamics that are available to you while you're in the room that are not available to you in a distance learning environment. And nobody fucking knows how to do this. Well, well, I know how to do this. I'm certified and trained. I'm a master trainer in this shit. I understand exactly the things that are necessary to be successful in that. By the way, you know, when uh, you've been on a webinar, right, Joe? Define a webinar. Um, uh, you're in a meeting and someone's teaching you something, but you're not in the room. You're watching on a camera, like a Zoom meeting. Uh, not quite like that, but okay. I know what you're talking about now, though. All right. You know what I'm talking about? Most people just get up, they put their presentation online and deliver a presentation while I go to Facebook and read all the scary shit news and not pay any attention to what you're doing. Because you can't see me. You can't tell if I'm engaged or not, right? So in order to make those effective, you have to engage your audience once every four minutes. If I'm not engaging my audience once every four minutes, they're gone. Oh, by the way, technology will allow me to take a look at it to see if you have other windows open so I can actually spy on you and know if you're paying attention and call you out on an inner private chat. Hey, let me make sure you pay attention. Or if I'm really smart, I actually get two people, one person to do all the checking and answering questions in the chat room and making sure everything's going well while I present the information and keep people engaged. But guess what? Corporate America doesn't know how to do this. 6,000 people signed up for this webinar. The system can only have two. They kicked 4,000 people out. Whoa. The, um, the uh, yeah, Training Magazine did that. The, um, the teachers union held an emergency meeting on YouTube. Over 100,000 people showed up to this meeting live. Because guess what? Teachers, elementary school and K-12 through teachers who are now being asked to do distance learning with their kids have no fucking clue how to do it. Well, no, they've been taught on how to teach in a classroom setting. And most of them are marginal at that, right? So now all of a sudden, shit, how are we going to solve for this? Because our kids aren't going back to school. We could close all schools till the end of the year, which a lot of people are doing. But we'll, let's at least give it a college try. But we don't know what the fuck we're doing. You know what I learned in that very moment, Joe? <laughs> the, the world needs guidance in that shit? <laughs> no, 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 they do. They do. But my market value grew exponentially. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> if you're a certified you trainer with many years. How do you think I felt about that, Joe? probably felt pretty fucking good because in the midst of all this fucking chaos, here's your opportunity. Huge opportunity. (laughs) In the midst of the world is burning to the ground, I have value. Okay, great. That's fantastic. That value is never going to go away, Joe. And the world is going to change. We, you know what? Um, 
we can't as a society come out of this and not be prepared for the next time. Every K through 12 learner in uh, the United States should have access to a laptop and, and um, school should practice distance learning. And I mean, practice weeks at a time, once a quarter, they'll have to put that in place. If they don't put that in place, then captain hindsight's going to come back again and say, you should have done this. But I think that we're smarter than that, Joe. That's going to happen. And they're going to need people like me to say, this is how we do it, right? So I share that with my team, but it gets better. Yesterday, I swear to God, I told this story to John today. I'm like, holy crap. So I went on another webinar on AI learning and whatnot. And here's what I know. Again, the president of, of Training Magazine gets on at the end. He goes, I just want you to understand what we're up against. We are looking at a seismic change, a seismic shift. And how people learn and work in this society. And the challenges that those of you that are attending this conference are going to face are going to be insurmountable. But you are very important. Probably more important than you've ever been, ever. And he's right. Holy crap. Positivity, man. Throwing out the love. Embracing it, right? Totally. Where's the opportunity within the crisis? Sent, quote, recorded that quote, sent it out to my team. They're flying high. You know, I put together some put together some pitches on how to do the things that we're talking about, and I'm talking to talking to people, right? Uh, easy sells. There are great opportunities for us to make a difference. So here's here's what's really important, right? So everybody's feeling unsafe. Everybody's scared. Oh, what's going to happen to me? And I'm going to tell you something. The very best thing that you can do right now is not to be afraid. Because, Joe, what happens if I just like, okay, like somebody's like asked today, well, how do I manifest the virus away? Well, that's the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. Because if I try to manifest the virus away, what am I going to get more of? Uh, yeah, get, you're focusing on the negativity there. I'm focusing in on my fear. Yeah. And if I put my fear out there, what am I going to get? Yeah, you're going to get more of that back at you. More fear. This is going to sound crazy as shit, Joe. The best thing that we can do, and we're going to have to get there. uh, We're going to go through this together. The best thing that we can do is embrace what's going on. Embrace it and look for the opportunities. Take care of yourself. Wash your hands. Don't be stupid and go to the beach and throw Corona fucking virus parties. I mean, don't be stupid, (laughs) but you know what? Embrace the fear. Love what's going on. Joe, there's a reason why this is going on. And we have to embrace it. I have, I have, have you thought about this for a minute? Have you really thought about why this is going on? You mean like the, the virus pandemic thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound dark, but it's like anytime something in life gets too much of a hold on it, there's something in nature that comes along and fucks it up. It's just you that are... humans are very good at stemming that off and taking care of each other. And so it's just really hard for nature to knock us off the, but you know, yeah. the shit that's going on in Yellowstone right now uh-huh. has me way more concerned than this, but this has got me worried, but the shit in Yellowstone's way freakier right now. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's the whole the thing's gonna the volcano might go up. Yeah, it's a super massive volcano, and it's if it if it cracks off, I mean, it has the potential to, I mean, 
be something that would bottleneck life. Oh, sure. I don't know what life would look like on the other end of it, but it wouldn't be our modern society. I don't know. Here's what I know. I watched, um, there's a YouTube uh, uh, video. It's a TED Talk by, I can't remember her name, but she was from the CDC. And she's like, well, why did this happen? Well, this happens because we as humans live a certain way. And um, we like to expand into places. And we've been expanding into places that we haven't expanded into before. And uh, we've been warming up the planet. And these bugs are coming out of places that have been hidden for millions of years. Oh, that's something I had pointed out to some coworkers a while back yep. that one of the side effects of global warming was the, all these frozen tundra that are now thawing out. And there's potentially ancient viruses that are being released oh, yeah. into the atmosphere from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so, fucking terrifying. Right. So we've been complacent about it. Our leader has been like, it's not real. It, yeah, he buried his totally head in the real. sand until like a fucking week ago. But then you still oh, got the fucking people with orange lips on Facebook just still fucking kissing his ass. Sorry. <laughs> I will start ranting about Trump if you let me. So let's just not oh, do no, that. No, we could get there later. I'm <laughs> I'm going to respond to Trump in love because the poor guy. Um, This is what I'm going to say about DJT, which is like I uh, want to call him. <laughs> Ramirez calls him number 45. That's great. I usually refer to him as 45 as well. 45. Um. <laughs> DJ, this is the end of DJT. I can't imagine that the American voter will not remember this. And if um, if the other party is smart about it, you know, like when um, Clinton beat um, you know Bush Senior, he had a sign on on the wall in their office, and it said, "It's the economy, stupid," and that's what they hit on. Over and over and over. It's the economy. It's the economy. It's the economy. And people voted with their wallets and uh, Bush lost. Biden, which, uh, or whomever it's going to be, I, think, I personally think it's going to be Biden. I'm not a huge Joe, uh, Joe Biden fan, but I think it's going to be him. I agree with you on Better. both of those points. He's going he's gonna to have a note in his office that's going to say, it's the virus stupid. And if they aren't talking about how inept and complacent this organ is, this country was in preparation or lack of preparation for what happened to the United States. They're stupid. They're idiots. They got a hit on that because people are going to lose family members. People have lost jobs. People are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, we could have still been, listen, if we were prepared and the same effect happened, well, then so be it. Right. Then it's mother nature. But that's not the case. The case is, we ignored the problem and then we lied about the problem and then we deflected the problem. And you know, it's just, it's oh, not you seen the supercut on, on online where it has all the different denials of it along with dates. And then when it oh. like drastically switched over with all the different oh. um, uh, Fox news anchors. Oh, <laughs> I haven't watched the supercut. I don't want to. It just makes me mad. I, I saw one today around it and i'm like i can't watch it because it makes me so mad it just makes me mad it's just great right? i just can't believe there's still staunch supporters that i'm literally seeing shit in comment sections where people like trump supporters are blaming obama for this it's like what the fuck are you talking about who the fuck yeah, has been president just... for the last fucking four years right 
Eh, fucking lunatics, but. But I, but I'm saying that we can no longer be complacent about this problem. We have to face up and and fix it. As a as a world community, we have to come up and fix fix it, right? Yeah. And then, you know, we look at China, right? And you should be angry with China. You should be angry with China because they also lied about it to the whole world. It's Chernobyl. If you watch Chernobyl. Yeah. No, it's a, you're absolutely they, right. They fucking lied about it and they didn't contain it and they let the world burn because that's what communist regimes do. And the world needs to come back to China and say, we love your cheap shit. But we can't allow you to behave this way anymore. We can't allow you to be big ass polluters anymore. We can't allow you to have the kind of work environment that promotes spread of disease. We we can no longer support that. You need to get your shit together, and we're here to help you out. Right? Yeah. Good luck this, getting the People's Republic of China to do that shit. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> this is like the most matter. asshole thing I've said since you've like talked all this positivity. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it doesn't matter. And there's some great things that are coming from this. I mean, we let's talk about the real things that are coming today and how I think things are. Well, actually, let's talk about the things that are going to come tomorrow, right? So we know that we're going to have to take a look at how we treat the earth. We're going to have to. I'm not a tree hugging environmentalist. I'm not used to make fun of those people on my show all the time. People fucking trees and all sorts of stuff. I have an episode about it, right? <laughs> That's right. You those did. People are weird. So, but we have to do something about it. It has to happen. We well, have to. And here's the thing about it is that people are like, oh, you can't destroy the planet. The planet's four and a half billion years old. And it's like, no, you're right. There's, there's really little that we can do to actually destroy the planet, but we can certainly make it so that it's very difficult for us to live on it. The planet's going to yeah. fucking march on. The planet will keep going until it either gets obliterated by something bigger in space or until the sun goes through its death phases and expands out and burns the planet to a crisp in several yeah. billion years. I, thankfully, I will be dead Way before that. Oh, well, so that's a good thing for It'd me, It would be something right? to see, though. If no. you were camped out on one of the moons of Jupiter, that would be something to see. Yep. So we know that that's going to happen. And I talked to David in Austin about it on my show. So we know that's going to happen. And the way that we live our lives is going to change. So, I mean, I, I talked about it. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to work sick. Oh, but I bring this shit up all the time. I'm like, okay, how many work hours are there? In a year, you have 40 oh. hours a week, 52 right. weeks a year. That's a big fucking number. Most companies give you an allotment of 40 hours that you can be sick. That means mm -hmm. that a lot of workers in America, especially when so many people in America can only absorb a hit to their wallet around, of, around an extra $400 or so before they're fucked because they live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So, hmm. well, that may change too, but I mean, there's no way. I, I, I firmly believe in my heart of hearts that the edict will be if you're sick, you stay home until you're well. Oh, by the way, now we have systems in place where you, or you sh we should have systems in place where you can work at home, right? We should be able to work from home and, and organizations are figuring this out. So the organization that I want to be a part of got all you know pissy about the fact that Hey, I want you in an office. I want you next to people. I get it. I do this all the time. I'll fly to your office. I'll drive to your office. I'll spend a week there. I don't have a problem with that, 
right? But I get to work from home, which means that I'm more productive. Studies say I'm more productive. Oh, by the way, when the poop hits the fan like this, this has affected me not at all. I am not affected by this at all. It's just, okay, it's just another day for me. I'm not a big deal other than I can't get on a plane. Yeah. Oh, by the way, have you been on a plane when you're sick, Joe? No, I've only been on a plane a few times, though. So. Oh, I fly all the time. I, I know. Sick, <laughs> flown sick so many times, can't even. Oh, man, there was one time felt so bad. And then the middle seat, middle seat fucking sucks. It sure so does. You're in the middle seat, and I had bronchitis. I didn't know I had bronchitis. You ever had bronchitis, Joe? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, you can't stop coughing to save your life. And I'm just, <clears throat> I'm covering it up and everything. Poor guy and the gal next to me were like, oh, God. And um, I get up, he goes, I hope you feel better. You know what? That ain't happening anymore. I guarantee you part of TSA moving forward starting this summer, it'll happen this summer. Hmm. They'll start taking your temperature before you're allowed to fly in a plane. Guaranteed. Uh, no, I think you're onto something right there, dude. Guaranteed. They are not going to let you, and they shouldn't. I shouldn't be flying if I got a fever. I shouldn't. No, I agree. I'm getting everybody on that plane sick. I get sick. Every January, this time I got sick every November, I went to fly to see my dad um, over Thanksgiving. I swear to God, I was in the air for like an hour. And next, my nose just started running and I knew I got sick. Where'd that come from? Some asshole on the plane. Guaranteed, right? Mm -hmm. So, but every year around January, I got sick every year. Why? Because they're just flying disease-ridden things. They're going to have to change. They've already changed their business model of cleaning the planes. But now they can't allow sick people on those planes. That's going to happen, right? Uh, I had a conversation with um, a colleague of mine today who's also in uh, education. One of the biggest things that we are suffering through as, an, as a society today is the cost of upper education. Higher education costs just a shit ton of money. Well, if we get to a model where we can have distance learning, why should it cost that much? Yep. Do I need to be in Harvard to get a Harvard education? Nope. I could pay for it. And I could take those classes online. And you know what? Those people that want to partake in the campus experience and they have the money to do so, they can go do it. But it's not going to prevent anybody from getting an education. Imagine what we can do, Joe. Imagine what we could do by enhancing our ability to provide higher education to people in a way that is less constraining on both um, ourselves financially and our work-life balance. Well, it's something that this country desperately needs. Like, of course they well, do. Like one of the things that Rogan says on his podcast all the time that I firmly believe in, in this statement is that America would be better if there were less losers in it. And the best way to make less losers is to give people more opportunities. Opportunities will come through education, um, among other things. And so, yeah, if you can reach out with long distance learning tools like this and help more people in the country, it's going to make the country a better place. These tools have existed for years and no one wanted to buck the, you know, break the system. Like, you know, if it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. Well, you know, if it ain't broke, break it, break it. We, we have to solve for problems that are really smart people coming together, solving for problems, right? So again, embrace this. Where are the opportunities? There are great things going on. I mean, those are things that I believe are going to happen for sure, right? But there are things happening today, today, Joe, that we can get super excited about. Um, you've heard about the 3D printer oh, yeah. opportunities? Uh, what, which is the one that, that you uh, read about? Uh, 3d printing organs is one of the coolest ones that I've read. 
Okay, uh, explain that to me. Where they can take uh, genetic material and put it in and basically build organs from scratch. I don't think right. it's something they're doing right now, but it's like, you know, a hope. Okay. So have you heard about Italy and 3D printing? Yeah, aren't they 3D printing like parts for respirators and stuff? That's correct. So here's a true story. True story. When we're done, the evolutions in medicine, this is what I heard somewhere, okay? The evolutions that we're making today because of our, you know, getting together and attacking this problem are going to put us ahead five years from where we started. That's cool. Five years of medical advancement from all of this. Five fucking years, right? Italy. Um, oh, my gosh. Just, you know, there's there's a place that was complacent about stuff. By the way, lots of old people in Italy – um, just, you know, it, it, a Petri dish for this, right? Um, so they're in a bad shape. Well, a resp- uh, respirators need a regulator valve, right? And, um, they're running out of regulator valves. You can run a respirator without a regulator valve, but it's kind of like driving your car down the street blindfold. Like I'm not going to advise people to do that. They ran out of regulator valves. They went to their manufacturer and said, we need more regulator valves. Manufacturers, we don't have any, give, give us a week. We don't have a week. We need them now. Well, the people in that in that society, the people in the problem didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to point fingers at my government for not having things ready or I'm going to I'm going to whine and bitch and moan and complain about it. No, what they did is they said, fuck, um, let's get some 3D printers and make them. They called up the manufacturer and said, hey, can you give us the specs for this regulator? And here's what the fucks over at the manufacturer did. They said, "Um, well, if I do that, then you won't need it. So we're not going to give you the specs. So like, well, fuck you. They reversed engineered a Good. regulator Good for and them. they made like fuck hundreds of them in a day, Joe, hundreds of them in a day. I just read an article today. You know, those scuba masks that go over your whole face, like 47 meters down the chicks yeah, that yeah. stupid chicks at the bottom getting eaten by sharks. Yeah. They're turning those masks into, into homemade regulators with parts that are being 3D printed. So we're talking about ingenuity in the moment of crisis. Again, finding the opportunity within the middle of the crisis to do great fucking things. That is true. That is the opportunity in the crisis. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying, like way back at the beginning of the podcast is that when these things happen, there's the potential for terrible behavior, which we're seeing with like fucking people getting in knife fights over toilet paper. But then there's also the potential for amazing shit with people coming together and, and making these things reverse engineering apart when somebody's putting fucking profits over human life, which is always disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Other things that you should be super excited about, um, over 70% of the people who got the disease in, in China have recovered by now. Um, they're saying the fatality rate is only 1.4%, which is far lower than the 3% that they've originally talked about. That's fantastic news. That is fantastic news that you need to embrace and be incredibly excited about. All over the world, in the United States, in um, Canada, in China, and South Korea, they're they're working on a vaccine. And they said that they numerous articles on um, you know that they're making progress and headway. And I get it. You don't want to promise any, anybody anything uh, before it's ready. But I, I leave my heart of hearts that they're, that, that we're going to, we're going to, not only are we going to get through this, but we're going to have, um, vaccines ready ahead of schedule, ahead of schedule. Matter of fact, uh, trials in the U S are already underway, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. air so, pollution. That right. That's where we need this positivity too. <laughs> air pollution. With all like this shit, you they know? did, 
Yeah, they did uh, satellite images over China. The biggest air polluter in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And the skies are so much clearer because of all this. You know, what do we do moving forward? What great things. You've seen the canals in I was just uh, going to say, I was just going to bring that up. I know that's incredible. Right? That's so awesome that these things are awesome. And you need to be thinking about that, right? Um, and, And day after day. Like last week was doom and gloom and everybody, you know, everybody's going to burn in hell. And then I hear more and more stories of people coming together, you know, people in Italy singing and, and they've got uh, Sunday night. I think it's um, what I can't remember what time it's, it is, but everybody's everybody's supposed to make noise at like six or seven o'clock uh, in support of um, our first responders, our nurses, our healthcare providers. Those people that, and then they're coming out of retirement, Joe. They're coming out of retirement to help yeah, you. I saw that. What? Why are you doing this? Because it's what I do. Yeah. God bless those motherfuckers. God, they're just as brave as those people that get off the helis, um, that you know the Marines that that storm the beaches to protect our freedoms. I'm yeah. getting all choked up because it's so important. Yeah, it is really incredible. Gonna spend some time thinking about this and visualize the world that we're gonna have coming out of this because it's so much better than the world that I woke up to at the beginning of this year. I I promise you that it's better than the world that I woke up to the beginning of this year. I know it is. I know it. And if we can all listen, if we can all begin to focus in on those things, find those opportunities. I know people are struggling financially, and I know that money's on the way. But I also was like, if you're if you're in one of those jobs, I know I hate to sound this way, but if I'm a waiter or a waitress and that's what I've been doing all my life and now I don't have any place to work, what have you been putting off? What's your beliefs and your stories of the things that you could accomplish? Oh, by the way, you could start work today, earn money on the internet. Guaranteed. The internet's the great equalizer. In the old West, it was the it was the Colt 45. Today, it's the internet. <laughs> yeah. You can go make fucking money on the internet today or start your own business today what are those things that you've been putting off right and i'm not trying to take away from those people who are suffering and if you're not supporting your local business um you should be well you can like we're on we're not under lockdown so you know just last night i went to a local restaurant that that we go to local and ordered takeout to help keep those guys afloat if you're in a place to do that curbside pickup go do it do it. You know, it, it's going it, to, you'll feel good and probably get some better taste in food because I'm sick of what my wife's cooking. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, my old boss, Chris and I were talking last Friday. Um, think about this. Want to visualize something? Visualize something. We're going to get through this. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, a year from now, we're going to look back and go, it really wasn't that long of a, t- a period of time. Right. Exactly. Our, our, you know, the baby boomers went through two world wars that lasted years. We're talking a couple months, folks. Honest to God, we're going to get through it. We're going to be a better society for it. And you know what's going to happen when it's over, Joe? We're going to be stronger as a result. We're going to have a fucking party. <laughs> I like the. As soon that. as I get the all, all clear, I am go. I can't go to my favorite cigar bar. 
And That's I right. hope that it's there. I'm going to go buy some smokes because it's the only thing they're doing right now. I'm going to go <laughs> and fucking party. And I'm going to go every fucking night that I can. And I'm not alone, Joe. You're going to go too, goddammit. You're going to get out and you're going to get your whole family. You're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese and you're going to drop money like there's nobody's business because we're going to be so sick of staying at home, watching Netflix, that we're all going to get out. And it's going to feel so fuck. Imagine this. Visualize this. It's going to feel so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. People are dying right? to stretch their legs. That's for sure. <laughs> it's going to feel great. Oh, that's funny. That's right. <laughs> Imagine the yeah. fucking jump to the economy at that point, too. Oh, my God. Crazy. It's going to be huge. Huge. And stocks are going to go up. Um, it's going to be great. So there are four things I want everybody to remember. And then whatever the fuck you want to talk about, Joe, we'll talk about. But <laughs> I need you to, to look for the opportunities and visualize positive stuff. Stay positive. Don't be afraid. The more afraid you are, the more of that shit you're going to get. Gotta, gotta come together and work this out and be positive about it. There are great, there's great shit going on. There's some icky stuff going on too, but there's good stuff going on too, right? Wash Absolutely. your fucking hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Um, I'm always gonna wash my hands. I, 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 I we're all gonna be great at it. Um, <laughs> be kind to one another. You know, it's better to be. That's it, a big one. It, it's so much more important to be kind than it is to be right. That be is fucking true. kind to one another. I had a guy come over today, Joe. I had a guy. Um, we had. Uh, I had a little extra money, and so before all this hit, um, Lynn wanted to get um, window inserts into our front door, so we have a so we'd have a cool front door. So when I bought window inserts, and I found handyman to to do it because you ever bought a new door? Yeah, several. They're wicked expensive, right? So we just wanted a cosmetic upgrade. So at the end of the day, it was like half. Of like new doors are like five, six thousand dollars once you're all done. It's ridiculous is the door. Guy comes, you know, he and he's talking to me. Guy's name is Chad. And he's like, I'll be honest, you know, before we, we were talking about when can you come over? Because I got stuff. Well, I got all these jobs to do, and I'm just really worried. I said, Really? Yeah, I'm really worried about how this is gonna come out because, you know, I uh you know, I live paycheck to paycheck and I don't want to get sick. I, I gotta work. I said, Yeah, I gotcha. He came over today, did a good job. I gave him a hundred dollar tip. Nice. hundred buck tip. And I said, is that, you know, I hope that's, I hope that's more than enough more than what you're looking for. And he's like, yeah, no, this is great. I'll call you again. You did good work. And, uh, he goes, well, you're one of the good guys that I'm going to like doing work for. And I said, you got to take care of the people that take care of you. That is true. I know, I know times are tough. Be fucking kind to one another. Right. Um, I, I can't stress this and that enough. And I guess the fourth thing that I would say to all of this, Joe, is that I don't forget, we cannot forget what we're going through and we got to hold people accountable. We all have an opportunity to do that in November. Absolutely. We have to hold those people who are, who we elect, who we elected and put in place to provide safety for us. Some of them are doing a really great job. Some have failed miserably and they need to be held accountable and we need to never ever forget what they did. And we hold need to hold them accountable. There is a, um, there's a video you need to find it. Um, there's a city council meeting of the city in Florida on the West side. It's, I can't remember the name of the city, 
but they're having a council meeting and the mayor, guess what they did? They turned off utilities for people who couldn't pay them last week in the middle of a world what pandemic. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. They turned off the utilities. One of the commissioners, this African-American guy, calls out the mayor. The mayor's this big roly-poly bitch. Just awful. And she's like, we're going to recess. And he would not shut up. He would not shut up about how she failed her constituents, how she failed her city, how, how, they, how awful it was that they did what they did. Yeah, Those was. people in that city need to remember two things. Need to remember how somebody failed, but they also need to remember about the courage. And it takes courage for somebody who's on the council to stand up, you know, push their chair aside, get in somebody's face and say, what are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> be positive. Look for the opportunities. Wash your fucking hands. Ugh, be kind to one another and hold people accountable. And that's that's all I got. <laughs> and that's a good place to stop it. Can you believe we're at three hours and 15 minutes, my friend? It's still not the longest episode you had. We could probably talk <laughs> another two hours. John would talk, Jay, uh, Brian would talk for another two hours. <laughs> I think I need to get a bigger memory card in my recorder because it has, you know, the, the counter of how long it's going, but then there's a smaller <laughs> counter off to the side that's descending and it's only got seven minutes left. And so I'm like, what happens when that gets to zero? Do I lose this recording? God, please, I hope not. That's why I asked you. you, you got, cause <laughs> like, like, by then we were like an hour and a half in. I'm like, oh, God. And so I'm like, great in shit. the back of my mind, I'm like, let's wrap this up before that gets to zero. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Oh, we're going to be fucked. <laughs> totally fucked. So real quick, where can people find more Scott Shooty in their lives? Oh, God, I'm going to hide. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because it's part of the things that I've been thinking about. Um, I'm on the leftover army. I'm an active member of the left arm of our army. So if you're part of that group, you can find me there. Um, you know where I'm going to ask? Um, you can look me up, Scott Thomas Schutte. I'm on um, LinkedIn. I do a lot of thought leadership there. LinkedIn is a phenomenal place to provide thought leadership. If you want to know what I'm thinking about and how I'm thinking about business and people, it's a great place to to look. Um, if you are not connected with me um, and you've heard this podcast, please uh, connect with me. I would love I would love to share best practices and help you do great things. Um, I also do a podcast occasionally. Um, it's been a minute there too, although I, I want to get back into it. Uh, Tales from the Yard, which is on uh, Leftover Army Feed. Um, lots of good stuff in Leftover Army Feed. We've got you know all a thousand of Rebecca Daling shows, um, Leftover Army Monsters. Oh, I'm going to be on that show uh, coming up real soon too. Nice. Um, we're going to review uh, Godzilla Final Wars. Um, the, the movie David hates, so that's going to be great. I'm going to be on that show. Um, but, um, we got a show there and it's really just the show that is about, um, you know, we talk pop culture, but we really talk about stupid stuff. Um, and it used to be like a year ago. And I, again, it's so funny. Like a year ago, we used to have the rant of the week and I would just bitch about Mm -hmm. something and it was very cathartic and it was very, very funny. But very dangerous for you. <laughs> like, not healthy for you. Look what it did. <laughs> Honest to God, I can't do that anymore. And and, and even just talking about stupid people, I, I have to be very, very careful about about stupid people because a lot of them can't help it. They're just stupid and they need a sign. Um, we do talk about <laughs> Florida Man, all the people that do stupid stuff in Florida. And um, we talk about movies that you need to see. Um and, you know, life's been really different for, for all of us. And so we haven't had a lot of opportunity to get together. We're, we'll try to get together a couple times a month. I, it's really a love letter to my son. I, I, I love 
talking with my son. Um, uh, sadly, him and his mom and I broke up when he was two years old. Um, and if you're a single dad, you understand this. You understand the the pain that you live with every day that you just get numb to that you can't see your kid or your kids uh, every yeah, day. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's it well. That's just one of the great components of that show is that you and Austin are on it together. It's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. He's I'm so proud of him, and I, I and, and it quite frankly, um, the guy that gives me the most shit on that show is my son Austin, <laughs> um, and he's done some really great things for for uh, for himself, and uh, he's a great leader, and 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 he's a great man, and I'm I'm, I'm proud to be his dad. So uh, you can listen to that, and I, I trust me, it, it's nowhere near as serious as the shit that we talked about for three hours, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Oh, this was good stuff, Scott. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for reaching out and giving me a kick in the ass to get oh, another right. episode out. It was fantastic talking with you, dude. All right, man. Well, hang in there. Look for the opportunities and uh, wash your hands, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. All uh, right. Thank you all so very er, – Jesus, I fucked. I did the intro good and fucked that up. <laughs> Leave it in. Oh, it's 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 going in. I didn't end shit. <laughs> anyway, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast. And like Scott said, wash your hands, be positive, take care, folks. 